World's Finest Podcast, Episode 73. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. Sir, how are you? I'm fine. I will be a lot better if my computer doesn't die while we're recording here. Yeah, I mean, it's it, something is wrong. It, it, the screen just shuts off, and then nothing works. I mean, it's still powered up, but the screen goes blank, and nothing works. So, uh, motherboard, graphics card, I have no idea. That's my top two guesses as to what it is, but I don't know. But since I got my tax return, maybe I'll just go out and buy a new one. At this point, it's four years old, and I I think putting money into just parts would be kind of stupid at this point. I hear ya. Yeah, so if this show ends up being late, blame James's computer, because it fritzed out. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we'll say. Not that I was out the night before when we were supposed to record and didn't get home till too late to record. Yeah, we won't point that out. (laughs) No, not not at all. Yeah, yeah, we were supposed to record this Monday night, but I was I was just out at this at this reading, and it was at a bar, and I was having a good time. You know, I, I mean, I, James was even like, "Hey, we could still do it," and uh, but it just got to the point where I wasn't getting home until like an hour after the time we were supposed to record, and I was just like, "Yeah, I want to go to bed," so that's what I did. So now we have to record this, and I have to turn around and edit within, oh, maybe 16 hours so I can get it posted about midday on Wednesday? Yeah! <laughs> so let's keep it short. Go to the emails. Oh, we don't have any. Okay, how about we score these three, five, and seven? How's that work for you? We're done. No? Uh, big time no? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Let's just get to the emails, though. <laughs> Alrighty. First one's from Dylan, who writes, Hey guys, how's it going? I just started listening to your podcast at the Justice League, and I'm going to listen to all the other ones as soon as I can. Oh, cool. And I've been Thank thinking... You. Yes, and I've been thinking about what you said about them not having any good Superman video games, but I I thought that Superman Shadow of Apocalypse was pretty good. Superman Returns, the video game, was good, too. I, I admit it could have been better, but I really liked that they put Bizarro in it. I haven't played Arkham Asylum yet because I don't have an Xbox 360 or PS3, but I am bugging my friend to get it because he just got the PS3. I would like you to talk about the upcoming Superman movie, Man of Steel, and if you think this one will be any better, and I'd also like to know what you think about Spider-Man 4 going back to high school and him already having powers. That's it for now. Love your podcast. Well, it's hard to say anything about the upcoming Superman movie because we really don't know anything. I mean, about a week ago, it was announced that Christopher Nolan of the Batman films, the Batman reboot, that is, will be overseeing the Superman film. So what does that mean? You know, a lot of people are like, does this mean we're going to get a darker Superman? Because, you know, that's where he leans cinematically. And and if that is what we're going to get, I can see a lot of people being upset with that. I'm not entirely sure I want to see a dark Superman. So it, really, there's just not anything to say. There's no, no one's cast. There's really no director. Because, again, no one's just overseeing it. He's He's not necessarily directing it. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, do you have any thoughts about that, James? Not really. I mean, I didn't see the latest Superman movie. 
So okay. I don't I don't even know what kind of continuity they'd be following. Yeah, it would be a complete reboot. You know, it's enough of this. You know, following the the films that that Donner started thing that they had going on that they tried to do with Superman Returns. So yeah, it would be it would be a fresh start. But you know, it, it you know, let, let's just see what they're gonna do. Start over with a new origin story and go from there. Next one is from Christian who writes, Hey guys, classes were canceled at my university for the entire week thanks to the recent snowstorm, so I spent a good deal of my time watching Teen Titans for the very first time. I just finished the first season, and so far I've been pleasantly surprised by it. I particularly like the episode Thunder and Lightning, and the one episode featuring, or the one featuring Mad Mod, Malcolm McDowell does an awesome Cockney accent. I could buy it being in continuity, though one could make a case for the terrible trio Unity, Critters, Mean Seasons, Joyride, and Toys in the Hood not being in continuity, <laughs> as they do not feature the introduction of any new characters, plot lines, devices, etc. And no one ever refers back to the three douchey frat boys, the alien pastor, Farmer Brown, Calendar Girl, the vehicle, the Joker Steel, or Toyman's pedophilia in future episodes. <laughs> Too bad the same can't be said for Prototype, Superman's pal, and once burned. <laughs> Jesus. Nice. All these horrible episodes I'm being reminded of. I know, I know. Well, I, I guess we're going to have to talk about Once Burned a little bit since he's Fireflies in an episode. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I have one unrelated question. I think I know the answer to this already, but any chance of Man of Steel discussions of the same vein as your Dark Knight discussions once you're done with the latter? There's a good chance that will happen. The, the only reason I'm a little hesitant to do it is because Superman Returns has already been covered twice on Earth2.net, this show. Uh, Jenny and I, we covered it, like, I think the weekend it came out. And then, if I remember correctly, Ian did a comic relief, a solo review yes, of it. Did. So I've already, already reviewed it. Ian's already reviewed it. And I really don't like doubling up on things. Like, I don't mind if one person reviews something and then someone else reviews it again, but I don't, I don't like going back to it personally. So if we did the Superman films, we'd do the first four, but then not return. So it's not a complete thing, if you see what I mean. So we may, we may not. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll do the first four and then James will just fly solo for that fifth one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, since I haven't seen it, you're going to make me suffer through it. Exactly. Yeah, I, I definitely want to do it. But, you know, it comes down to our time. You know, we, we say this a lot, you know. Think about how long it's taken us just to get through the first five Batman films, <laughs> and, we, and we still have two more to go. <laughs> yeah, and I'm telling all you guys, the, the reason we haven't recorded the latest one is my fault, because my schedule is awful. However, uh, spring break is coming up for me, so hopefully we'll get one of those churned out within the next few weeks. Yes, fingers crossed. There are plans in the works to get uh, Batman Begins out of the way. I shouldn't say out of the way. That makes it sound like we don't want to do it. It's Batman fucking begins, you know. Yes. But there are plans to get it done. Oh, now I don't know. No, that was too close to Larry the King. I, okay. But we're going to get, <laughs> we are going to do it very soon. Yes. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't know. Just. I hope you leave all of that in. <laughs> I, yeah, I will. Come on. It's me making an ass of myself. When do I ever cut that out? You know? There you go. <laughs> And uh, Christian had a PS here. One uh, one last question I meant to ask. Who are your guys' favorite non-superhero and non-supervillain characters in DC and Marvel comics? And I'm looking forward to your reviews of Twilight, Tabula Rasa, and Only a Dream. Hmm. What about you, James? Non-superhero, just characters in general? Yeah. I guess Oracle, since she's not really a superhero anymore. That, uh, yeah, in, she, in the strictest sense. Right, strictest exactly. Sense. She doesn't go out there and do her thing, but she's she, she is helping the heroes. I, I could see why you'd list her, yeah. 
she's a computer geek and is like she's a detective too. So I I I, I fall for characters like that, you know. <laughs> I'll throw Jim Gordon out there. Oh fuck yeah, exactly. And okay. you know what? I know some of the characters from Gotham Central went on to become superheroic, such as Renee Montoya became the Question, and uh, what was named Crispin or Crispus Allen became the Spectre, but. Before that, just when Gotham Central was running and they were all cops, just any of the characters in there, they weren't superheroes, they weren't supervillains, they were just police officers working in Gotham City. So everybody there, yeah. Uh, let's see, I'll throw out um, the DCAU Lois Lane. Uh, how about the DCAU Alfred? Come on. Fuck, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and let's see, who else? There was some. I just thought of somebody and I can't remember who it was now. And I, I think it was a Marvel character. Go ahead. If you, you can think of some more, maybe I'll think of it in a second here. This pertains more to the movies than it does the comics, but I love J. Jonah Jameson in the three Spider-Man. Thank movies. you. That was who it was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's that actor's name? Is it J? Oh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. That's it. He, he was one of the few bright spots of Spider-Man three. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm really trying to think. I like what Bendis and Brubaker were doing with Daredevil supporting cast when they were writing Daredevil. So, you know, Foggy Nelson and, uh, oh shit, I just lost her name. Dakota? Dakota North, I think. Or it's, pardon me if I'm getting that wrong, but th- that whole supporting cast, they really built them up and fleshed them out and made them real honest people next to, you know, the always tormented Matt Murdock. So yeah, I'm I'm sure there's more, but off the top of my head, that that's those are who I'll list. Yeah, Turpin. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. Since we named several cops, we got to name we got to throw Turpin in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And Maggie Sawyer. Yeah, I guess that's a good enough list for now. All right, next one is from Brian, who writes another convenient plot f- uh, for the plot reason to have lantern towing the javelin is if superman had been pushing then green lantern's ring wouldn't have protected them from the changes mm-hmm. uh, i'm Picture. surprised yeah i'm surprised neither of you mentioned the allusion to wonder woman's lasso of truth after she gets the information needed from the german soldier granted we know from the balance that isn't how she got the info but it, at least not consciously but it was still a nod to it yeah it was yeah it was in my notes i just didn't get to saying it so yeah yeah uh, last but not least, I absolutely agree on the awesomeness that is the Black Hawk theme. On the DVD, there's an Easter egg of an intro by Bruce Tim, and then the first scene with the Blackhawks that was shown at Comic-Con with only the score. I think in the commentary for the Savage Time Part 2, it's mentioned that the score was written to work with the lyrics of the Song of the Blackhawks. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. Next one's from Kevin Hurts. Dear Mike and James, are you insane, in all caps? Warworld is the best episode ever made. It is nothing short of genius. And by this point, you probably realize that I'm being sarcastic. It sucked <laughs> big time. It was crammed with bad puns and plot cliches. Looking forward to your review of Wild Cards, though. I know it's not for a while. Sincerely, Kevin. P.S. How did Superman know Mongol and Draga's names when he first met them? I don't recall them ever being introduced. Well, I'm not going to go back and rewatch it to find out. So how about you do it for us? Yeah. There you go. Which charge you with doing it. <laughs> or if we have a listener, another listener out there who would like to do that for us. Yeah, please do. Cause otherwise anything to keep us from doing it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> 
Next one from Tony, who writes, First of all, I wanted to tell you that while I enjoyed your review of Paradise Lost, I was shocked that even after all the questions you received about the character, you've never mentioned that John Reese davies was the voice of Hades. I know that you mentioned that you have a tendency to overlook voice actors, but this seemed like one you should have remembered. Secondly, I wanted to say that I am so grateful that you guys are now reviewing Twilight, because one recurring theme in Justice League that I'm not sure you've addressed is that throughout the entirety of Season 1, Superman had been dramatically weakened as a character. Uh, yes, yeah. believe we have noticed. Uh, to the point where we fans began calling him Super Wimp. The lines drawn underneath his eyes to give him a more aged look did not do much to alleviate this either. Bruce Timm has even admitted to taking Superman out far too early, far too easily, and far too often throughout the first season. And this became one of the many things he wanted to improve on during the second season, and as, as I'm sure you will address in your review, this episode certainly does a bang-up job of doing that. Lastly, about the upcoming Spider-Man reboot, I'm concerned about what Spider-Man villains the new films will be featuring, because the Green Goblin, Doc Ock, and Venom are all Spider-Man arch uh, enemies. It seems inevitable that all three of them will show up all over again. What do you think can be done to improve each of these three villains to make them better than they came across in the Raimi films? And yes, I know that doing a better adaptation of Venom is no challenge whatsoever. I think if you're going to improve upon, um, I almost called him Green Lantern, the Green Goblin, <laughs> you have to almost make him more of a Lex Luthor type figure who's pulling strings in the background and doesn't become the Goblin until the, th like, assuming it's another trilogy, the third film. And I understand why they used the armor that they did in that first movie, but it looked kind of ass. It just didn't look good on screen. I'm not saying they should have went with the traditional comic book costume, because that would have looked worse on screen. But they needed to do something that's not the comic costume and that wasn't that armor. Let's see. Uh, when it comes to Venom, I, I don't give a shit about Venom. I really don't. So... <laughs> if he pops back up, I'll be like, whatever. But if he doesn't, I'll be happy. Uh, Doc Ock, I think they had their say with Doc Ock, and he doesn't need to come back. I mean, Spider-Man's got a very rich rogues gallery that they have not tapped into. He's got Mysterio. He's got Black Cat. He's got the Lizard. He's got Craven. Uh, Sandman's already been done, and I think they did well with Sandman. So, yeah, leave him alone. Um, I'm trying to think who else is out there. I, I know he is Honest so... Honest God, I think they could do Vulture well if they mm -hmm. actually, actually, uh, you know, realize that he can absorb people's life force. Mm. Which, you know, that was... I know he was a villain being talked about, like John Malkovich doing mm -hmm. the role, which I think would be awesome. Yeah. But um, they, if they could, like, show him being a very, very dangerous villain, which he is, then he could be a good one, too. Yeah, exactly. And just think of the really cool aerial battles you could get out of that. Spider-Man swinging around, chasing him down, and he's as he's flying, they go up into the air because Spidey's attached a web to his feet, and there he's flinging him around. I mean, that'd be badass. Some other villains that they could use but not necessarily get full films out of, like the Rhino. Oh, what is his name? Is it Hammerhead? Uh, I, I, I know what he looks like. He's got a flat fucking head. I think it's Hammerhead. They could bring in, like, Morbius, though that might be a little too... I mean, he's sort of a vampire. I mean, he's a living vampire. But there, there's just so many characters. And they could even pull just from... Well, it depends on what characters Sony has the rights to. So I really... I was going to say they should maybe try to use the Kingpin, because the Kingpin started out as a Spider-Man villain. Uh, but yeah, they probably don't have the rights to 
that character. Marvel, it's probably either reverted back to them or whoever produced Daredevil still has those rights. Yeah, so Scratch Kingpin. But there's just a crap ton of characters. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is not lacking villains. No. Oh, by the way, Mike, you mentioned that you were a G.I. Joe fan and you preferred GoBots over Transformers. Three questions. GoBots cooler than Transformers? What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Lots. <laughs> <laughs> Two, if you're not a Transformers fan, were you at least an Optimus Prime fan? No, Starscream. Number three, you said since uh, since you said you were a G.I. Joe fan as a kid, what did you think of the film The Rise of Cobra? Ass. <laughs> I hated it. I mean, it, I have a buddy... Who's all? He's just a couple years older than me, so he too grew up with you know that classic era of GI Joe cartoons, and he admits that it's a terrible film. But he's like, when I ever thought of a GI Joe film, like when I was a kid just playing with the toys, this is exactly what I thought it would be. So you know, even though he knows it's a bad film, it still works for him. For me, it was just a shit film that. There was no way they were ever going to be able to translate it to the big screen. And, hey, they tried, but I I, I don't like the outcome. You know, I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, at least we got a G.I. Joe film, because I think that's that's weak. And I think that's a terribly weak thing to say. You know, I'm, I'm commending them for trying, but, <laughs> yeah, not good. Not good. I mean, it had its moments. It definitely did. You know, that scene when uh, Snake Eyes... You know, all the missiles are launching, and Snake Eyes grabs that little snow uh, snowmobile thing, or whatever it was, and he launches it at the one missile, and it explodes. That was pretty cool. But, yeah, overall, no, that was not a good film. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw it, so... Uh, the I mean, the woman who played Baroness, I thought she looked really good in the role. I have a major crush on the Baroness, and have since I was a child, but, uh, yeah, no, she, I thought she, she looked the part, um... I don't remember how her acting skills were, so obviously I wasn't paying too close attention to that part of her character, so yeah. yeah. Anyways. <laughs> oh, and James, when you guys talked about animes that could be made into live action, there were two I think you forgot to mention, Lupin the Third and Neon Genesis Evangelion. The Evangelion film I know they have been working on for years. Well, there's a reason for that, because Evangelion will never translate to a real-life film. <laughs> Period. End of story. But Lupin the Third, yeah, that one is a that one could easily translate to a a real life film because I mean it's it's a a gentleman thief and his and his two buddies and the love interest and I mean it, there's no like special effects that you would need and it's it it should be it would be just good fun. Have they ever adapted shit? I don't know if it was a manga or an I think it was yeah it was an anime. Uh, what is it? Gogol Thirteen. I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't. Okay, let me let me look it up real quick. I want to make sure I have the name right. Because I remember there was an old NES video game. That's how I learned about it. And then I thought later on I found out that there was a... Uh... Golgo 13? How do you spell that? G-O-L-G-O and number 13. Professional Assassin for Hire. Yeah, that's it. There's been two live-action films done of it. Oh, I might have to check that out. Because I don't remember if I liked the game or not. I just remember it being kind of cool and different. Yeah, I've never heard of it. It looks interesting. It says it's one of the longest-running like manga series in Japan. That's saying a lot. <laughs> All right, next email is from Reese, who writes, Dear Mike and James, I loved your review of the epic three-parter Savage Time, and I liked how the title had a double meaning. Sure, it's the Savage Time because of Vandal Savage, but World War II is a Savage Time to begin with. But moving on. I didn't even think about that. Jesus. Really? Yeah, no, it never dawned on me. No. 
Oh, okay. Now that you're starting Season 2, we get Twilight that stars Darkseid as the main villain. Bruce Timm was heard to say on an interview they were trying to stay away from generic villains in Season 1, and I like and uh, like you uh, said earlier, finding their legs and stretching their limits with outlandish plots. Not to say that they were all bad. Do you think it was a good approach to stay away from generic villains in the first season? I'm not sure what, what the definition of a generic villain is. I mean, is this like... Are you saying somebody that's like never appeared before? Obviously not like a like somebody that's not like Lex Luthor. When I when when you say generic villain, I think of like just a thug that Batman would fight. Well, a thug's not going to take on the Justice League. So yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe maybe what's what's meant there is like D-list villains. You know, like not bringing in. Well, I don't even know D-list DC villains. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just bring in characters that are so far down the totem pole that they're not recognizable, I guess. That's what I have to go with. And if that's the case, then yeah, it was a good move to stay away from them. you got to bring in characters that people recognize from just even cursory glances at the comics and what they remember from the old Super Friends show. All right, uh, next one is from Aaron, who writes, Hey, Mike, on the last episode of WFP, you said that Hal Jordan should be in his late 30s for the Green Lantern live-action film. I completely disagree, as the movie is adapting Hal's origin story. The main DC Universe version of the story has always had Hal in his late 20s. This works well because Hal is an adult, yet still youthful and impulsive. It provides for a great development arc for the character, as he has to learn the responsibility as he matures as a Green Lantern. When this email first came in, and I read it, you know, I didn't respond to it, but, you know, I was forming my response in my head. And my initial thought was to say, no, he was, like, you're thinking of his post-Infinite uh, Crisis. No, post, not Infinite Crisis, post-Crisis uh, on Infinite Earth's origin, or more accurately, probably his Jeff Johns origin, where he seems, or he is, a lot younger. But then I actually contacted Tom DJ, our, you know, Earth2.net's resident Green Lantern expert. And I said, you know, how old was Hale, you know, pre-crisis when he got that ring? Because the reason I I, I always thought he was older is because I remember Hale when he used to have the, the white on his temples. So I always pictured him in his 40s and figured he, you know, if he was like, 45-ish, he would have got the ring when he was like 35-ish, that's what I was thinking. Well, Tom was saying, put it this way, if you think about when the character was created, and if he was a fighter pilot, he was probably in the Korean War, and if you assume he went to the war when he was like 18, 19, 20, was there for a couple of years, maybe even the whole war, and then came out, became a test pilot, and got the ring, he would be in his early to mid-20s. So, yeah, okay, Hale was younger when he got it. Like I said, I just always see Hale, even though he doesn't have him now, I always see him with the white temples. So that's why I always get mixed up in my head and think he was older when he got the ring. I can see why a lot of people say that Hal should be older since he hasn't really been young, quote-unquote, in the comics for a few decades now. And most comic readers from the last couple of generations probably don't know him as anything other than the, quote-unquote, elder Green Lantern whose hair went gray as parallax during the 90s. Or perhaps- well, I thought he, I could, again, I could swear he had the white on his temples before parallax. Or perhaps the New Frontiers version where he was older due to the added story element of him being a shell-shocked Korean War vet. The best representation of his origin and the specific one about uh, that the film's crew is using is Green Lantern's Secret Origin by Jeff Johns. I highly recommend that all naysayers check it out. I make no bones about the fact that I don't like Hal Jordan. 
I just don't. Uh, I, he's just enough, you know, he's just pretty much a nothing of a character to me. You know, if we're talking about Green Lanterns, give me Guy, give me Kyle, give me John. But I did read, did I read all of it? Or some of it? I think I read all of it, of the, the Green Lantern Secret Origins trade paperback. And it was really good. And it made me start to kind of, sort of, maybe, like Hal, which is a big step for me. You know, I used to call that character Vanilla. And, yeah, not so much anymore. But he's still not my favorite Green Lantern, but that is a good trade paperback. I do recommend people pick it up. The other problem with casting an older actor as Hal is that uh, he'd be in his mid-40s at least after only two or three films, which could be a major problem if the actor doesn't age well. All that being said, however, I'm not super keen on Ryan Reynolds as Hal. I think he's a great actor, and I have faith that it'll all work out in the end, but I can't help uh, but see Wally West every time I look at him. Hopefully the GL film will convince me otherwise. All right, next one's from Matthew, who writes, Hi, fellas. I just heard Patrick and Mike mention Gargoyles comics in the episode 72 email section I had to write in. Slave Labor Graphics did publish a Gargoyles title several years ago. It was written by series creator and spectacular Spider-Man supervising producer Greg Weissman. Sadly, SLG chose not to renew the license, and only 12 issues were completed. Hmm. They've been collected as a pair of trades entitled Gargoyles Clan Building Volume 1 and 2. There's a third trade collecting the six-issue spinoff Carl uh, Gargoyle's Bad Guys. SLG also published a six-issue sequel called Tron uh, 2.0. It's been collected in the trade Tron Ghost in the Machine. Sorry to ramble on about this. I'm a huge Gargoyle fanboy, and I thought might be uh, might be interested in the Tron book. I never really got into the uh, Tron tie-in stuff. I tried the video game. What was it called? 2.0 or something? Uh, never read the comics. But you know what? I shouldn't say I never really got into the Tron tie-in stuff because that Tron arcade game from the 80s, if I ever come into some money, I'm going to own that son of a bitch. I love that game. But besides the movie and that one game, yeah, the the other stuff's never really appealed to me. But maybe I'll check that trade out, yeah. Last up today is from Graham, who writes, Hi, Mike and James. I've been loving your reviews of Justice League so far. I totally agree with you about Night of Shadows and Metamorphosis. Night of Shadows is an episode I don't really care for, and I am starting to hate how whenever Jean tries to use his psychic powers, there is something in the way. It's like every villain has already, has already gotten ways to stop his powers. I like how Tim and company never forgot he had those powers, but that doesn't mean that you have to not let him use them. Instead, play with his weakness to fire a little more, just like many uh, other of your counts for things that happen a lot. You guys need a Jean is unable to use his psychic powers alert. <laughs> As for Metamorphosis, it's exactly what you guys said. I also don't care for Metamorpho at all. I mean, the rest of the Justice League has barely gotten any characterization so far. Why do they? Why would they have this C-lister be introduced in the first season and then have a terribly executed episode? More podcasting I have really enjoyed from you guys is your reviews of the DCU animated movies. When can we expect reviews for Superman, Doomsday, Green Lantern, and Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. Any more guest hosts we'll hear? And then maybe there could also be review, uh, reviewing of the animated shorts that will come with movies like Justice League and the other future DCU animated movies. Again, time permitting, we will get to some of those. You know, I, I, I think I've said it before, I just don't see us doing Superman Doomsday. Maybe we will, who knows. All my thoughts are already known. Right, yeah, Green Lantern First Flight, you know, as we said before, uh, in episodes probably, I don't know, maybe about two months ago, we were trying to get that out in like mid to late January. It just didn't happen. It's still going to happen. It's just been delayed a, li a little. Uh, there will be a guest host, you know, and, you know, initially I was trying to keep it under my hat, but 
in a recent episode of uh, Better in the Dark, I think it was 75, Tom revealed that it was him. And that's fine, because I think it was pretty obvious that it was going to be Tom anyways. Again, <laughs> just a few minutes ago, I called him the resident Green Lantern expert. You know, if you listen to Better in the Dark and you listen to Earth2.net, the show, or excuse ooh, World's Finest Podcast, and you couldn't figure that out, sorry. You know, I, again, I thought it was pretty obvious. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, what was the other one? Oh, Crisis on Two Earths. You know, I almost wrote a review of that uh, in early January. I got a screener of it, I think in the first week of January, and I watched it, and I just couldn't, I don't know, I, I, I just wasn't inspired to write a review, a good review or a bad review. I mean, that kind of shows my hand. I really think the film's kind of middle of the road. Like, action-wise, it's really good. Story-wise, it's sort of like, I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't terribly impressed by it. Maybe upon further viewings, I'll uh, dig it some more, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, it's got good aspects. I mean, James Woods as Owlman is just <laughs> just awesome. But, yeah, overall, I wasn't feeling that one. When does that come out, anyway? The 23rd, next Tuesday. Oh, okay. Oh, it, oh, we were asked if we would cover the shorts that are on the DVDs. Um, maybe. We'll see. Normally, we don't talk about the extra features. So, not saying no, but I can't say yes, either. Now, for the last thing I was going to ask you, have you guys heard about the recently confirmed Young Justice or Young Justice League cartoon coming soon? It's going to feature Martian Girl, Aqualad, Nightwing, Impulse, Arrowette, and Connor Kent. Arrowhead is basically the same person as Speedy in the comics, it seems. And an interesting thing is that Aqualad will be African-American. Thoughts on all this? Yeah, I saw some stuff about it at the Earth 2 forums, but I didn't pay too much attention to it. I don't know. Is it is it a movie? Like, you know, a direct-to-DVD movie? Is it a new, brand-new cartoon like Teen Titans was? Or what? I mean, I, do you know, James? I have no earthly clue. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to check it out because I, I like a lot of those characters, you know? You know, Impulse is in it. Pfft, I'm sold. <laughs> You're sold on Nightwing, too, I'll bet. Did he say Nightwing was going to be in there? Yes. Oh, I didn't hear that part. Yeah, fuck yeah, then. Woo, woo. I see you haven't forgotten me. What do you want? Though it pains me to admit it, I need your help. My latest skirmish with New Genesis has left my military forces at considerably less than full strength. Why should we help you? Because my enemy is your enemy. Even as we speak, Apocalypse is being assimilated by the Kryptonian menace known as Brainiac. You're lying. I destroyed him. Apparently, he is harder to kill than you realized. You know his pattern, Kal-El. Once he's finished siphoning the memory banks and technology of my planet, he'll annihilate it. Good. Superman. You can't mean... You may not care what happens to me or my world, but know this. If Brainiac isn't stopped, countless millions more will perish. Think about it. First up today is Twilight. In this one, the episode opens up uh, deep in outer space where there's a war between two, at first, unknown forces raging on. Uh, one of the forces is getting their collective ass royally handed to them, and it turns out that the unlucky fleet belongs to Apocalypse. The general of this fleet, Steppenwolf, contacts Darkseid and says that uh, New Genesis's fleet ambushed them almost immediately upon being launched and that they have taken catastrophic damage. So Darkseid says, okay, you serve me well. Take as many of them with you as you can. <laughs> Steppenwolf is immediately annihilated, and suddenly 
over the uh, holographic projection, Orion appears and says that we knew you were doing uh, what you were doing, Darkseid. So since you can't keep your end of the treaty, accept this gift as compliments of high, uh, from F- High Father. <laughs> Suddenly, Orion opens up a boom tube within a few miles of Darkseid's stronghold and just sends the just the decimated fleet uh, remains of the Apocalypse fleet ship hurtling at top speed right at Darkseid's keep, destroying the big statue of him and the entire building with it. After Darkseid crawls out of this huge mess, Highfather appears in the hologram and says that if Darkseid breaks the treaty again, he will be utterly destroyed. So the credits roll, and after the credits we get a brief scene on the Watchtower with Hawk Girl watching videos of hawks flying through a mountainous area, and Jean just walks up to her and says that she misses her home world very much, and uh, Hawk Girl says it's a long story, so Jean says, well, go ahead and tell me. We go back to Apocalypse, where we see the slaves working on rebuilding Darkseid's statue, and Desaad more or less says to Darkseid that their forces are decimated, and that he was basically a fool for attempting such a mission for the anti-life equation. Whoopsie! (laughs) (laughs) Darkseid does not take kindly to this, so Desaad gets the Omega Beam treatment for his big mouth, and uh, suddenly from the skies... Uh, a sh- another ship starts flying towards the surface of Apocalypse, and when Calabac runs up to Darkseid and asks what the hell it is, Darkseid simply says, it's death. Back on the Watchtower, uh, Hawkgirl tells Jean that, you know, she, we're in the middle of her story here, she says she's tracked the criminals to their base, but she fell into a trap and was beamed across the cosmos, and she says that Thanagar is so far away, they've never even come into contact with the Green Lantern Corps. At this point, the watchtower begins rumbling and alarms sound, and uh, so the five Justice Leaguers present, that being Hawkgirl, Sean, Diana, Batman, and Superman, all gather at a computer, when suddenly a boom tube opens up inside the tower, and who should walk through it but Darkseid himself? Superman immediately flies at him and starts fighting him, but Batman tells Diana and Jean to restrain him, lest he knock them out of orbit with all this fighting. Uh, so Superman demands to know what Darkseid's doing there. Darkseid says, though it pains him, he needs Superman's help. Apocalypse is being assimilated by Brainiac. And Superman says, fuck you and your world. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Darkseid says, you know, you may not care about me or my planet, but Brainiac won't stop with Apocalypse. So he leaves, and the League then starts discussing what they're going to do, and Hot Girl's just like, wait a minute, you're going to sacrifice millions of lives just because you don't like this guy? And Superman says, you don't know Darkseid and what he did to me. And Batman <laughs> Batman interjects, and uh, he says, yeah, we know what he did to you. He brainwashed you and turned you loose on the Earth. Cry me a fucking river. <laughs> so they have to take action. On the you know on the small chance that it isn't one of Darkseid's schemes, so Superman says something is wrong here, but you know what? I'll go along with it. But I need you to do something for me. He sends Batman and Diana off to New Genesis while uh, he, Hawk Girl, and Jean travel to Apocalypse. While on New Genesis, Batman and Diana uh, arrive and are attacked by this gigantic worm thing, and uh, Diana is knocked unconscious at, at some point, and but they end up being saved by a man named Forger. And uh, Forger informs them that Orion is in the floating city in the sky. Uh, So we go back to Apocalypse, where Superman and Darkseid exchange pleasantries. And we go right back to New Genesis again, where Diana and Batman 
fly through the Sky City, and Light Ray flies up on them and, and slaps Diana on the ass. <laughs> I'm not joking. No, he really does it. Yep. Yep. Not on. He, they don't show her ass being slapped, but it happens. You hear the slap, yeah. They eventually corral him, but Orion arrives on the scene, and he is not happy with the strangers who have just trapped one, one of his uh, fellow men. So... We go back to Apocalypse. Superman confronts Brainiac, uh, whose gigantic ship is behind a force field. But uh, Brainiac opens up a small hole in it to blast Superman with some kind of ray. But he withstands it and grabs the opening of the force field and and just physically expands it, allowing Darkseid to blast Brainiac with this cannon thing. Uh, so the force field goes down, and the, the forces of Apocalypse attack, and they destroy Brainiac's ship. But... Uh, he retreats, and Darkseid just tells Superman and them to go finish him off. And uh, the three of them go after him in the javelin, and they reach this gargantuan meteor shaped like Brainiac's head, and they're pulled in by a gravitational beam. And that's where episode one ends. Yes, indeed. So what were you thinking? Oh, I love this entire episode. Oh, yeah, it's uh, really strong. It's a great way to begin the second season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this... This ep- uh, setup episode really just does it all. I mean, if you've never seen this episode, then uh, you know Darkseid has some kind of plan, but you don't have the slightest clue of what it could be at this point. Yeah, I yeah. actually forgot what his plan was. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm like, of course he's got a plan, but then when it's revealed in the second part, I was like, oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, this really, it's it's just great. It's all around awesome action. We, we get some continuity all the way back to Superman, the animated series. Mm-hmm. Finally get the return of Darkseid and Michael Ironside, who is just uh, <laughs> awesome. Awesome. He is he is my definitive Darkseid. Yeah. <laughs> so, what were you thinking here? No, as I said, I, I really feel this was a great way to begin this second season. It's, you know, this the first season ended on such... You know, like an epic, strong note. And you had to begin the next season with something almost as big. And we've got Darkseid and Brainiac and nearly all of the Justice League going toe-to-toe-to-toe. You know, and on top of that, we get the, you know, we get them over on uh, New Genesis. I mean, there's just... There's just so much here, and it never felt rushed. Uh, it never felt padded. They, you know, I, I'm sort of speaking as a whole of these two parts, and I know I should be focusing just on this first part. But, yeah, just from start to finish, I think that this was just so damn cool. I mean, it's just, granted, it's just a lot of battles, but it still feels deep all the same. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But it because it's probably not all that deep, but it does feel that way. So yeah. Well, it's 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 really what a Superman episode should be. It's just mm-hmm. you know, galactic spanning, epic, awesome action. Yeah. Though I do have to wonder where the hell are Flash and GL? I don't know. They don't even pay lip lip service to explain where they are. I mean, I could understand Flash not coming along. But Green Lantern, this is like his, this is his territory. <laughs> so the, the episode felt a little naked without him there. I can see where you're coming from, but honestly, I was just so engrossed by the episode, I didn't really notice him being gone. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha, yeah. I have to mention here, this was 
George Newbern's best job as Superman yet, by far, by far and away. And especially when he and uh, Michael Ironside, uh, you know, are together in scene. It, it just, I mean, because Newbern, you know, was not Superman in Superman the Animated Series, so right. he didn't know. I, I assume he didn't know about you know the storylines that happen in in STAS, uh-huh. and so he had to you know learn the character of Darkseid and, and you know what Superman's relationship to him is and it, it's like nothing it was like there was no kind of uh, I don't know I'm trying to think of a word here but there's there was no nothing lacking I mean, it, right. it, it really felt like he just picked it up like like he was the voice of, in Superman the animated series you it's like he knew everything that went along he had all the right emotion all the right inflection it was just really really solid work on his part. Yeah, it absolutely was. And I think you can chalk that up to the fact that, you know, Superman doesn't often, you know, he's often written kind of like, well, as Superman, as if he doesn't get angry, as if he doesn't want vengeance. And when you write the character like that, you see this whole other side of him. And I think that opens up doors for his voice actors to try new things to see a different side of the character that they didn't know was there before. And I I really feel that's what was going on here. Because we're seeing a very dark Superman throughout this whole story. I mean, to begin with, where he's like, yeah, I'll let them die. I don't care. And then with what we get at the end of the second part, you know, he is just raging. He is on fire. As I said, we, we, we don't see it often, so... Yeah, it, it, it you know, as an actor, you're probably going to look at that and go, "Ooh, something new!" And yes. <laughs> you're going to put a little more energy into it than you would when you normally play the character. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And the music in this episode, just as a whole, is just so epic. Mm. Every every single scene. I mean, well, I mean, most of the episode is fighting, so they had to have a lot of great scores here for ex- you know exciting music, and they. Every every scene was just great. All the the music just built upon each song before it, and it was it was great. Something I had to take note of here is uh, Batman. This is chronologically the first time we get Batman uh, expressing his dislike of boom tubes. Uh, because remember back in Batman Beyond, he uh, when uh, the I think it was the call he mentioned not liking boom tubes to Terry. Oh, oh okay, I forgot about that. Okay, that's very cool. Loved, loved the visual of Brainiac's half-blown-off face. Yeah. <laughs> that was fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, we'll cover this more in the second part, but Brainiac's getting destroyed left and right in this story. <laughs> well, he is Brainiac. He can yeah. be destroyed a hundred thousand times and still have, you know, ten million duplicates. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, a minute ago, you were talking about Batman mm-hmm. and his hate for the boom tubes, and that reminded me... Uh, he really has some great lines in just the first part of this two-part story. As you said, when he just rails into Superman, and he's like, cry me a river. And I love that scene near the end of the, the, the this first part here, where, uh, what's his name again? For, uh, Forager? Forager. Uh, he's like, no, you don't understand. The gods are really above us. And I, I think that's the moment where Batman's like, I'm going to need a longer grapple. (laughs) 
It's like Batman just made a joke. That's great. <laughs> he did it because Diana was with him. That's right. That's exactly. The... You know, he wouldn't have done that in front of anybody else, but for whatever reason, he feels he can sort of let his guard down around her. I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, because it builds towards you know the the sexual tension between them uh, in Justice League Unlimited. Yep, definitely. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, now it should be said that this is the first episode in widescreen, correct? Um, yeah, I believe it is actually. Yeah, yeah, because I, I don't think the first season was done in widescreen, and they started doing it here. So, yeah, because yeah. I, I was watching this on my laptop at school. This is where I, I took all my notes while I was. You know, between classes uh, yesterday at school, and I was noticing on my laptop uh, it was playing in widescreen. I was like, "Wow, this is really cool! I didn't notice this before." So it had to be the first episode with widescreen. And I got to point something out: Hawkgirl, she completely lied to John. Yes, she did. Now I have to think that they weren't intending for what she said to be a lie, but when they then, you know decided to produce, um, uh, what is it? Starcrossed, right? Right. Yeah. They then were like, well, because she's got a different story over here, it just turns out that what she told John was a lie. But I really don't think they intended it to be a lie at first. I'm going to disagree with you because I I was watching the commentary. Okay. See, I didn't listen to the commentary for this. So, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, Butch Lukic uh, and Bruce Tim were talking about it, and they said, "Hey, you know, if you go back and you know watch this episode after you've seen Starcross, then you know that what Hawkgirl was saying was a complete lie." And mm. So, and you know, they they said they've said from like the beginning that they had all they had always intended on Hawkgirl being the traitor at the very end of Justice League, whenever that was going to come around. So, I think I really do think they were. They were making that just to be a total lie from the beginning. Oh, okay, cool. Like I said, I, I didn't listen to the commentary, so I didn't realize that. Okay, cool, thank you. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say about the opening episode here? I will say that I think the cliffhanger was a little weak compared to the rest of the episode. It's like, oh, the javelin is in a tractor beam, and the asteroid looks like Brainiac. I mean, it's a cool visual, but I didn't think it made for a great cliffhanger. I can see where you're coming from there. Yeah. But yeah. That's it, though. Okay. Well, let's see. Episode two, uh, we open back up inside the Brainiac Meteor, uh, where the the three Justice Leaguers are drawn very deep inside this thing, and uh, they're brought before Brainiac, and he once again offers Superman the chance to join him in carrying on the legacy of Krypton. And Superman says that you're just a you know you're just a perversion of Krypton, and he he rejects the offer again, and he is literally about to tell Brainiac to go to hell, but Brainiac interrupts him and uh, summons some drones that they easily defeat, and Hot Girl takes down what they assume is the main, is the real Brainiac, but he summons several copies to take up the fight, and we go back to New Genesis at this point where Orion, Batman, and Diana meet up with Highfather to discuss what they should do about Apocalypse. And Orion makes no secret of the fact that he wants to just mount an army and attack Apocalypse while it's while it's at its weakest. But Highfather says, no, we can't do that. I've got to convene with the Source first. So we go back to the Meteor, and the rest of the League is still dealing with the Brainiac droids when suddenly Darkseid appears and blasts John and uh, Hawkgirl from behind. Uh, and he surprises Superman, who is then duly hit by Brainiacs and Darkseid's you know, uh, beams and is knocked out. 
So Brainiac says that their stratagem was a success, and Darkseid says, as agreed, he delivered Superman into Brainiac's hands. We go back to New Genesis, and Ryan leaves without Highfather's permission through a boom tube, uh, and Batman and Diana just follow after him. They have no choice, but we go back to the meteor, and Darkseid tells Brainiac to keep his promise to spare Apocalypse in exchange for Superman. And he's curious to know why Brainiac needs him, as Brainiac has no programmed desire for revenge. So Brainiac says that with Superman's DNA, he can amplify his power and send countless drones across the cosmos to complete his program in a much shorter amount of time. And Brainiac will become a true life form, I believe. Uh, I believe he says something to that effect. Or like he'll, he'll evolve, yeah. Darkseid takes this opportunity to place some kind of device on the console that overrides Brainiac's control circuits, and he takes control of all of Brainiac, and he can now use him at his will. It's at this point that Jean and Hawkgirl regain consciousness, and they start making their way towards the room where Superman is being held captive. While they're flying, Jean notes that information on Thanagar could be encased in one of these, uh, you know, one of these mirrors inside the meteor. And Hawkgirl says, no, 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 we, we don't need to worry about that. <laughs> She's so lying. <laughs> Superman is screaming in agony, and uh, he asks Darkseid why he's doing this, and Darkseid says that now Brainiac has the power to consume an entire universe, and he's going to use this, this power to rebuild the universe in his image. And it's basically all he ever wanted, the anti-life equation. So... High Father, in the meantime, is at the source praying or something, and uh, he's he's interrupted by massive storms and earthquakes, and uh, the planet is being engulfed by this gigantic maelstrom, and he orders an evacuation of the entire city. Uh, back on the meteor, Hawk Girl flies in and smashes Darkseid right in the face with her mace. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> And so Darkseid tells Brainiac to stop them. And Brainiac doesn't want to, but he kind of has to. Uh, Hawkgirl is then eventually taken out in a particularly painful manner, uh, while Jean keeps up the fight by himself. And at this point, Orion, Batman, and Diana blast their way in and start helping out. Orion begins a fight, a one-on-one fight with Darkseid, and uh, Batman can't figure out how to stop Brainiac, so he just pounds the fuck out of the main console and causes a circuit... <laughs> Circuit break, which overloads the entire meteor. <laughs> Batman's like, it's the DCAU. I can br- I can blow up a computer by punching it. <laughs> exactly. It's like, welcome back to the DCAU. Yeah. <laughs> so the entire meteor is just like overloading, and it's gonna it's gonna blow up in a matter of minutes. And Superman is finally freed from his uh, crucifix trap thing, and he demands to know where Darkseid is, and Batman says, look, I don't know, but we gotta get the hell out of here. And they all start to retreat, but uh, Superman, unbeknownst to the rest of the League, stays behind to finish off Darkseid. And we go to where Darkseid and Orion are fighting, and Darkseid bear hugs Orion into a coma, and uh, Superman shows up and says, you know, any minute Brainiac will explode, and you're going with him. Uh, Darkseid tries to grab Orion's mother box, but Superman blasts it and says, the only way we're getting off this rock is through me. And he also says, uh, not in so many words, that he's not going to stop until Darkseid is dead. So they start fighting, and the rest of the League finally notices that Superman is MIA, so Batman's like, that idiot. So he goes he goes back after him, and telling, the, telling uh, Jean to take off without them. 
uh, Superman is getting knocked around, and Darkseid steps on his face. <laughs> and so Superman takes this opportunity to melt a couple of holes through Darkseid's foot. Um, and Superman gets the upper hand here, and Batman shows up. He tries to get Superman the fuck out of there. Superman refuses, so Batman goes up to him and grabs his arm, and Superman backs hand, uh, backhands him into a wall so hard that it probably separates his shoulder. You know, Superman's just like, get out of here. So Batman opens up the utility belt, jumps on Superman's back while simultaneously activating a mother box or, you know, boom tube and getting them out of there along with Orion's unconscious body. And Darkseid is under a pile of rubble and he just simply says, <laughs> Loser. <laughs> Superman never beats Darkseid, ever. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> The meteor explodes in a colossal Star Wars-esque fashion, and uh, we go back to New Genesis. The storms are all over. Uh, Superman is just seen looking up at the remnants of the meteor floating in space, and Batman walks up behind him and says, Look, nothing could have survived that, not even Darkseid. Superman turns around, walks up to Bruce, and says, You know something, Bruce? You're not always right. He walks away, and Orion is recovering elsewhere, and Jean is taping up Hawk Girl's 12 or 13 broken ribs. And uh, High Father is depressed because he, f- he thinks that all the children from earlier are all dead. But they turn up fine, and it's revealed that Forager saved them during the storm. And High Father says, you know, I realize now everything has a purpose, and Forager has found his place amongst the new gods who, whom have all showed up at the same time there. And Jean tells Shire that, you know, perhaps one day she'll find her place too. The episode ends with uh, Shaira just kind of looking uh, very. It's a it's a weird facial expression, but it, it it works because if you know that she's lying, it's it's a really good facial expression because you know it's like it's weighing on her conscience that she's lying. So that's it. Cool. Well, okay. Let me, let me go back to what I said there a second ago. Has Superman ever beaten Darkseid? When they were fighting in what was it Legacy, he like and. You know, Darkseid's about to blast him with the Omega Beans. Superman just grabs his face and covers it up and, you know, makes it Darkseid blast himself with his own Omega Beam. So right, see, but, but, does that, but does that does that end that fight, though? It does, because yeah. then the yeah, slaves does. pick him up and carry him away, right? Yeah, because Darkseid just had his face blasted off, essentially. Okay, so, so Superman gets that one. Mm-hmm. And then, is this the next fight? Yeah, because that's the last we've... That was Legacy. That ended Superman, the oh, animated series. Right. So here, Superman didn't beat Darkseid. Darkseid got beaten by Brainiac's asteroid going kablooey. To be fair, Superman obviously had the upper hand when the fight ended. He, I mean, he had just blasted Darkseid through a through the ceiling and into a pile of rubble. So, But he still didn't beat him, though. Right, exactly. He didn't, like, finish him off. And then the next time they fight is Alive or Destroyer? Destroyer. I, okay, I get those two confused. Last, yep, right. Very last. And, you know, he does that whole, oh, I can let loose on you, I live in a world made out of cardboard thing. But, um, yeah, Darkseid kind of is about to cut his heart out with a kryptonite knife. You know? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Superman is one and two against Darkseid because in uh, Apocalypse Now, he has him on strapped to that machine and Really, it's Turpin that ends up help, helping him escape. So Yeah. 
And Darkseid was never defeated there. He just kind of walks away and blasts Turpin into the dust. Yeah, I mean, and that's the way it should be. You know, on Earth, Superman's the most powerful. When it comes to the entire universe, there's other guys out there that could kick his ass with ease. And Darkseid's one of them. So I, I like the fact that Superman did not have an easy time with Darkseid and rarely came out on top. Speaking of really that fight, where would you rank that fight in DCAU lore? Because I honestly think it has to be in the top five. That yeah. was just an awesome, awesome fist fight. Yeah, it's up there if only because Superman is letting loose. You know, he doesn't, uh, they're in space, so he doesn't have to worry about nearby buildings and cars and pedestrians. Um, Superman at that point is so far gone, he is probably, he's suicidal. If, if, if Darkseid's going to be killed by that explosion, Superman would have too. Yep. So he is so far gone that he just wants to pummel this guy into submission so he can't get away in, when the explosion goes off. So not only is the action really cool, but when you actually sit down and think about what's going on in Superman's mind, it gets pretty dark and scary, and that helps bump it up. A few places. I mean, again, as you said, burning through Darkseid's foot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brutal. And then backhanding Batman. Oh, oh. Oh, and I want to say something else about this fight. Okay, yes, you're right. Superman did have the upper hand, but think about all the help he had. Hawkgirl was beating on him, Orion was beating on him. You know, it wasn't just Superman Darkseid. It was like Darkseid was just getting the crap kicked out of him, like, from all sides. Well, and, and Darkseid, I mean, it was like Darkseid was running a gauntlet. And yeah. He pretty, he pretty easily took Orion out. Oh, no, no, he holds his own, that's true. But it's not just Superman Darkseid this time. Had it been just Superman Darkseid, I'm not sure Superman would have got the upper hand that he got, even though he was letting loose. Right. Because he really was, he was suffering bad. As you said, Hawkgirl hit him in the face with her mace! <laughs> <laughs> and he gets up and he's like, his face is like burning. Yeah. <laughs> like, Brainiac, stop them! <laughs> yeah, I mean, Darkseid bleeds a couple times throughout this story. When oh, yeah. Orion boom tubes the ship into the Citadel, he gets up and there's blood coming from his mouth. Black blood, that is. Uh, he's yeah. bleeding in this one, I believe. Yeah, he... Yeah, a couple times, yeah. Yeah, he, he gets the shit kicked out of him, but... Sorry, Superman didn't win. I know we're going to have people arguing, but he didn't win. He did not. The meteor just beat him. Exactly. Just because Darkseid died, because he was technically dead, does not mean Superman did it. Again, this episode is almost nothing but action. I mean, we get the little we get the little thing about how you know Darkseid's plan coming to fruition, and we we get an explanation of what it is. And but I mean, it's mostly action, but it's it's really really fucking good action. Mm -hmm. And the animation is just awesome. In particular, when Darkseid is bear-hugging Orion and telling him, I won't let you or anyone else stand in my way, that's fucking awesome animation there. Yeah, it well, is. The animation of Darkseid's face talking there. Mm -hmm. I just, I wish I could get a screen cap of that because there's a lot more detail to his face on that close-up when he's about to put Orion into that coma. And it's, it's just really, really cool. And... You know, speaking of that, it, it reminds me, though, that Orion quipped to Darkseid when he punched him in the face. Hello, Father. Don't I get a hug? Yeah. <laughs> and then Darkseid, okay, yep, I'll yeah. hug you. 
Yeah. <laughs> so Orion got what he asked for. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's... Even though this is a dark, action-packed episode, there's a lot of really good jokes, a lot of really good one-liners. You know, we mentioned the Batman ones from the, the previous episode, but as you said, there's the Orion one here. There's one um, earlier on when, uh, what do you call it? I think it's when Orion jumps in the boom tube and Superman and, or excuse me, Batman and Wonder Woman are about to follow, and they're going into the asteroid, uh, Batman pauses and says to Wonder Woman something like, uh, next time I let Superman t- uh, take charge, just hit me real, real hard. hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, th- I like when they pause to add those little jokes in there, because it does lighten up what is a, again, a really serious story. I mean, they knew what they were doing here. They were making Superman... They, they were giving him this darker edge and potentially making him a killer. Right. So you needed this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I, Ron Perlman did the voice of Orion in this one. It, was he not uh, Orion before? No, it was somebody else, and I don't remember who the actor's oh. name was. I, somebody I didn't recognize, but I know it wasn't Ron Perlman in oh, okay. Superman's animated okay. series. Oh, and there's another another great uh, joke quip where uh, when Batman and Diana arrive in in the meteor to start helping out and John is using that brainiac to blast the other brainiacs and Batman's yeah. like ha- having fun and John just says yes yeah <laughs> the Martian Manhunter makes a joke <laughs> I love that I mean he's using that thing as a shield for a couple of minutes <laughs> using it as a riot shield and a weapon it's yeah. great <laughs> and he just had just this deadpan yes <laughs> And then Batman's just like, come on! <laughs> there was one animation flub, though. As much as I love the animation, there was one animation flub. Superman, When Superman is being tortured in that device, uh, his cape is clearly shredded apart. Yeah. But when he's fighting Darkseid, it's completely intact. Ooh, I didn't notice. I noticed it was shredded, but I didn't know it was uh, was um, fixed by the end. So, ooh. Yeah. Mm. Well, I-, I don't know if this was a flub... But did you notice there was one point where John jumped in front of, I want to say, Hawkgirl? Someone. And uh-huh. he, he, he started blocking some laser beams, and there was a blue shimmer around him? Yeah, I was wondering what that was, too. It's it's not like the beam hit him and caused the shimmer because he showed no pain. And John gets hurt all the time. So... I, he has a blue force field, I guess. I, I I couldn't figure that one out. Yeah, that was a little confusing, definitely. Yeah. Going back to the Batman Superman confrontation during the Dark Side Superman fight, uh-huh. um, there was something I really liked here. Uh, when after Batman gets backhanded into the wall, you know he opens up his utility belt, and it's really cool because you could think maybe, oh shit, he's going to use the Kryptonite on him. Oh yeah. But you know he just ends up using the uh the boom tube generator but it's just it's really cool you wonder if if batman is actually going to do it if he's going to use the the chunk of kryptonite that he has but this goes back to them finally going back to you know batman and superman not always being on the same page Mm -hmm. and i'm glad they they renewed that a little bit here because we really needed that it was it was like seeing world's finest a little bit of that yeah you know it would have been interesting if he did pull out the kryptonite, contemplate it for a second, and put it back and pull out the mother box. Yeah. You know, like, I could kill him or I could get us out of here. Okay, I'm going to get us out of here. 
They didn't, and that's fine. You know, it just would have been a neat little thing to throw in there and setting up the next episode, too. Yeah. You know, because, of course, the kryptonite plays a factor in that. Uh, so, yeah. Real quick, I want to mention something. Remember when we were talking about uh, the Savage Time, I had said I didn't realize Hawkgirl was that strong because she helps. It is only when she adds her strength that they're uh, able to push over that really tanky thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, okay, let's put it this way. Hawkgirl destroys probably about, like, three dozen Brainiacs with generally just, like, one or two hits. Brainiac, the guy who goes toe-to-toe with Superman all the time and, and withstands the damage. Think about that. I mean, there's no reason for Superman to hold back on Brainiac because he knows he's a robot, so you can't claim it's like when he's punching... Uh, the guy in the not RoboCop Iron Man suit from the Superman the Animated Series episode. Oh, oh. You know, sorry. <laughs> it, it's not like you can claim something like that where he has to hold back. It's a fucking robot. So what's going on here? Is she stronger than Superman? <laughs> Is it the mace? Is there something about that? I, I don't know. But I found it very interesting that she was taking out Brainiacs with one hit. Well, keep in mind, though, that Bat- when Batman arrives in there and he just chucks all of those Batarangs at one time, each one of those destroys a Brainiac. Okay, so that's maybe true, they're just, yeah. Maybe they're just not... Maybe they're just not very strong droids or copies, you know? I it don't know. could be. I don't necessarily buy that, though, if only because each one of those bodies is meant to be sent out to a different planet and do its thing. So that's why I don't really buy that. But I, I see what you're saying. I don't know. Maybe they're newly formed and they don't have their shields up or something yet. I don't know. <laughs> uh, what else about this one? As a whole, I absolutely love this whole episode. I mean, I could watch it on loop and just never get tired of just nonstop fights. Let me tell you a story. It's about a young man whose dream was to build a great empire. He succeeded, but then he lost it all because of seven very bad people. Hawk Girl and her friends. The Justice League. The Justice League. That young man was me, of course. And now I have another dream. It's to take back control of that empire. And then, when the time comes, I want to hand it down to someone who will continue my work. The son I never had. But none of that can happen until you give the Justice League what they deserve. Next up is Tabula Rasa. Just to to pull the curtain back, I I can't pronounce that. James always has to coach me. He coached me (laughs) at the end of episode 72, and he was coaching me here. I just can't say it, so I will never say it again. (laughs) Hey, you did just fine there, bud. Well, that's because you told me it like 12 times, and I had to write it down phonetically. You still did it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, okay, what's going on in this one? This one opens up with Luthor in his battle suit flying over, presum- yeah, Metropolis. He is over Metropolis. And uh, he's he's fighting Superman and Hawkgirl. And uh, they're kicking the shit out of him. So at one point to get away, he uh, sends out a laser beam or whatever and uh, hits a cruise ship. It starts sinking. They're like, shit, we got to let him go. So they go to save the ship. Meanwhile, he flies over to his own his old uh, LexCorp offices, and uh, we see that Mercy 
is now running the show. When she steps into what is now her office, she sees Luthor uh, clinging to the desk. He can barely hold himself up. And uh, she's shocked. And he's like, you have to be the best scientist, the best uh, doctors, the best everything, because I am dying here. And she's like, yeah, well, tough titties, because you're a dick, and you ruined this company. You sent it into the ground. And you know what? You know what I did? Shares are up 33% from at the, the peak of where you had it. And he's like, I don't give a shit. Just save my life, woman. And she tells him that in an effort to, to, to save money, she fired a lot of their top scientists, including, I don't remember his name, uh, Professor I, Ivo, I, I, Dr. I, I, Ivo. Okay. And uh, yeah, Dr. Ivo. So Luthor's like, well, okay, fine. I'll just go to his like, I don't know, lab slash house slash cabin thingy. So Luthor flies over there and uh, he sees Ivo lying in bed and uh, before he can pull back the covers to wake him up, Ivo's arm falls out from underneath. And not like it falls off, it just falls off the bed and hits the floor. And uh, he realizes that the guy's dead. And Luthor says something curious. He says, looks like the cigarettes finally got to you. Yeah, me too. Implying that Luthor was a smoker? But I thought he was sick from kryptonite poisoning. It's, uh, yeah. But he said, me too. So I, I didn't get that, but whatever. While he's looking at the body, this hulking gray robot thing uh, named Amazo, I think it's only mentioned maybe once or twice in the episode, though, uh, walks up from behind him. He scans Luthor, and Amazo's face, which is just a blank slate, really, it's just got these two eyes and no other features, uh, briefly takes on Luthor's features. We then cut ahead and uh, Luthor's gotten out of the battle suit, and he's in a lab coat. And, you know, we quickly learn that this robot is very childlike. He doesn't understand the concept of life and death. And he asks when uh, Ivo is going to wake up. And Luthor's like, he's never going to wake up. And Luthor starts playing his patented mind games and says, you know, if you don't help me one day... I'm going to fall asleep and never wake up again. So the robot, being very scared, uh, very naive, uh, starts doing whatever Luthor says. And Luthor tells him this story about this businessman who just wanted to make an empire and he had it. But then these seven evil people came along and tried to bring him down. And he's like, you have to go out there and stop them, yada, yada, yada. So... Uh, Amazo goes out there and he runs across Hawkgirl. And as they're fighting, he scans her and uh, wings grow out of his back. He ends up forming a mace out of one of his hands, uh, just kicks the crap out of her. And uh, what happens? He goes back to Luthor with like a canister of something or other, right? Yeah, fuel. Okay, that fuel for what though? The suit? For his suit, I assume. Okay. Uh, he goes back to him and he's like, oh, I see by your new look. That uh, you must have met Hawkgirl, you know, did you take her down? And he's like, no. So Luthor sends him back out. The, the robot is now convinced that he has to take out the Justice League completely. I don't remember where this one goes from here, and I don't even remember what the cliffhanger is. Well, they, like I said, Luthor tells, tells him 
uh, Amazo that uh, you know the Justice League has to they have to be put down. You know, yeah. I can't remember if Mercy. No, she shows up in the second episode when at the warehouse. But uh, uh, he sends out Amazo back out, and he ends up fighting you know Green Lantern and Wonder Woman, and he abs- he you know scans them and gains their powers. At some point, Batman and Superman go to LexCorp and speak to Mercy and tell, look, if Luthor contacts you at all, let us know immediately. Yeah. And it's and Mercy is lying to them, saying that he hasn't contacted her already. And Batman knows that she's lying. So they're sitting in the Batmobile, and they see Batman sees on the Bat computer that uh, Mercy tries to call Doctor Ivo's house because she knows Luthor is there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Bat- Batman tells Superman, uh, you know, Mercy fired this guy months ago, but his specialty was nanotechnology. And it's at this point that Green Lantern contacts uh, Superman and says, you know, we found uh, we found the robot, that uh, Hot Girl's robot, and uh, Superman's like, well, okay, well, where are you? And Green Lantern's like, no, forget it. Don't come here, because if you do, you're only going to make it stronger because he's copying our powers. And, you know, Superman obviously doesn't listen. He goes and starts fighting the robot, and he actually does manage to keep the robot from looking at him and, and gaining his powers for a few minutes, but eventually, you know, Amazo does get the upper hand, and he scans Superman, and now he's got all of Superman's powers, and Wonder Woman lets out a pair of help us. Green Lantern's like, she better, because no one else can now. <laughs> yeah. And that's where the episode ends. Okay, thank you. Thank you for helping me out there. Uh, we should also say that there's a subplot with John, with John Jones. What happens is, you know, before they go to Mercy, um, Superman, I think it is, yeah, asks yeah. John if he can do a citywide psychic sweep to try to find Luthor. And John's like, look, I can do it. It's going to be rough, but I can do it. But you have to realize that once that door is opened, it may not be able to be closed. Meaning, if, if he lets control, if he uses his power to that extent, he's going to hear every voice in the city. And it could drive him mad. And he may not be able to be in control of himself to shut it down. He does actually locate Luthor, but I don't think he realizes it. Uh, because all of a sudden, he's flooded with just all these ugly, selfish thoughts from just random people on the street, and he he can't get far enough away to uh, to just quiet them. So he ends up just flying off and uh, ignoring and even yelling at his teammates whenever they try to contact him over his uh, earpiece communicator. Um, so what were you thinking here? I really dig this setup episode. I do. Um, I, the title of this episode is perfect since it covers both Amazo and John. They're both blank slates here now because John, you know, John goes back to his his Martian roots and just to start over. Basically, he run. You know, this is getting kind of in episode two, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, he runs into the woods just to get away from everything to just clear his head. And then Amazo, of course, is just this naive child in a in a nanotechnology uh, android suit. So it was it's a pretty cool title for the episode. And then you've got Luthor at his manipulative best, yeah, which is always awesome. And then you know you really don't know how Mercy is going to factor into all this. Having Mercy back in and of itself is great because 
we both love mercy. <laughs> and then you know you don't you don't know how how the hell is the league going to defeat Amazo and what is Jean doing? It's just it's a I think it's a good setup episode. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole hell of a lot of fighting going on, um, and it was a whole hell of a lot of fighting going on in the previous story. But in the previous story, the fighting never really got tedious, where I think it does here. Uh, more so in the second part than the first, because as you said, this part's a lot of setup. But yeah, I just, I kind of get tired of just the back and forth. Oh no, he's got a new power. Oh no, now he can run like the Flash, and he's got a ring, and I don't know, whatever. Th- yeah, that that got a little old, but it's still a really good episode and story all around, I will say. Going back to uh, Mercy, honest, honest to God, that her first line really at Luthor when he's like, but I'm, and she's like, sick, dying, <laughs> and you couldn't do it somewhere else. Yeah. Just awesome. But I really wish she would have brought up the fact that he abandoned her in World's Finest. Yeah. I really, really wish she had brought that up. Mm. But, but hey, she didn't do it in Superman the Animated Series either, so I can't obviously count off for it here. Yeah. And, you know, I really, really, really have to call into question a bodyguard becoming the CEO of LexCorp. Now, she's all like, I mean, they explain it later on. Oh, I know you only give it to me because whenever you came back, you know, you thought, you know, your lapdog would just hand it right back over to you. But... I would assume that an appointment like that would have to be approved by a board of directors. And I don't see shareholders and whatnot being like, oh yeah, you, the personal assistant, the the bodyguard, we're going to make you head of this company. Do you know how to run a Fortune 500 company? No, that's okay, because <laughs> Luthor <laughs> appointed you. And hey, every business decision Luthor made was spot on perfect. So yes, go ahead, run the company. Like, what? How does that happen? <laughs> There's no logic there. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> uh, there's a pretty big animation flub. It, when Amazo first attacks the fuel plant or whatever that place is, mm-hmm. there's a stairwell inside that has no guardrail. And then when you go downstairs, it does have a guardrail. <laughs> it's just It's a terribly, terribly animated, just, I don't know, catwalk looking thing because you've got on the top on the top catwalk or stairwell or the floor whatever it is it's just this stairwell that's there in the floor with no guardrails around it. it's like yeah. how, people are gonna fall into that stairwell yeah. it's just no plant would be that unsafe and then but then you get down to the second floor and oh all of a sudden it has a guardrail <laughs> oh when when John was being all psychic, did you catch that one guy's stray thought about his girlfriend? I I, I, rem- I don't remember anything specifically, but at the time, I'm sure I I heard it and laughed at it. Okay, okay, like a guy and a girl, they're on a corner and they're holding hands, and she thinks something like, "I really like him, but I don't know if he likes me." And his thought is, "I wish she'd wear some vinyl." Yes, yes, I did. I did see that. Here, here. I actually had to rewind it to, to double check. That's what he said. <laughs> like, oh. wow, dude. Okay, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? I'm sure. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying. I thought it was a 
I didn't expect to hear that line. That's all. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else about this first part here? I honestly don't have any more notes for the first part. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, we get really good characterization with Luthor and Amazo and Mercy, but it's just not a deep story. It is just, as I said before, here's a fight, here's a fight, here's another fight. Just ramping up to the point where Superman jumps on his back, puts the metal around his face, and uh-oh, he took it off, and now you can see you, we're all fucked. That's that's really all there is to it. Should I get to the second part, then? Let's do it. Okay, in the second part, Amazo now has Superman's powers, as uh, James said, <laughs> during my synopsis slash his synopsis of the first <laughs> part. And, uh, you know, Amazo's just, you know, doing his thing now. And uh, eventually, uh, Batman shows up, Amazo scans him, and he's like, you ain't nothing special. And Batman's like, yeah, you know what? Hi, that kryptonite! And <laughs> Amazo <laughs> falls over, and he's he's, he's, he's stumbling. I mean, he, he you know, he's crawling back. He's begging off to use a wrestling And he's term. scared. Yeah. And Superman's like, yeah, you know what? You Been got Batman. all of our strengths, but you also got all of our weaknesses. So, ha-ha. Um, I think you meant that. Batman there. <laughs> Did I say Superman? Sorry, yeah, Batman said that. Sorry. So Amazo then jumps off the roof into like the sewer or something, and uh, you know he gets away. The league search. Oh, before the league starts searching for him, uh, <laughs> Hawk Girl walks up to Super or to Batman, and she's all like, "Do you always carry Kryptonite with you?" And what does he say? Yes, insurance or something like that. Yeah, call it insurance. Yeah, and she's and then what does she say? And I thought Luthor was carrying. And they say, I'm scared. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Because Flash <laughs> said something to that effect about Hot Girl in the first episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, they start searching all around for Amazo. Um, Batman starts telling them, or maybe it's not Batman, maybe it's Superman, I don't know. But starts, you know, they, they start dividing up into teams. And Flash is told to go check the sewers with Hot Girl. And Flash is like, uh, no. And, like, just runs away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go see if GL needs help or whatever. So he runs off. And so that just leaves Batman staring at Hawkgirl. And you're like, oh, no, she's not going to go down there. There's no way. Um, let's see what happens from there. Um, let me see if I can do it by myself. Let's see if I can be a big boy. Because uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can. Oh, uh, like some, I don't know. For whatever reason, Luthor... Uh, it has to Luthor and Mercy have to like abandon uh, the uh, Ivo's like house slash lab slash, slash cabin thingy. And well, it's because Mercy knows knows that Batman's going to be tracking right. every move, and she knows that she's going to go to. Uh, she knows that he knows she's going to go to Ivo's place. Right, going to be there. So she's like, "Look, I've got this warehouse you can use, and or you know this storage facility, you know." Right, that's right. So uh, they, they grab whatever they can, but on the way out, Luthor apparently punches a computer because the building bursts into flames. <laughs> so uh, the, the Justice League shows up, they put out the fire, they grab whatever files and computers they can, uh, and they find like a blueprint or a schematic for this thing called a mezo, how you know it can adapt, and they start putting two and two together, that the robot is tied to Luthor, is tied to Ivo, and all this and that. Um, 
Mercy, as James said, then takes uh, Luthor to some super secret warehouse hideout. Uh, we find out it is lead shielded, so Superman's not going to be able to find it. Um, it, it real quickly, though, uh, Amazo shows up, um, claiming that he had heard Luthor scream or something because uh, while they were in there, the the power went out. You know, Luthor's trying to rebuild his battle suit, and he yelled at Mercy for like using, like, cheap wiring or something, and that's what Amazo heard. So Amazo shows up, and uh, while he's there, he starts talking to Mercy, and he starts hitting on her. <laughs> because not only did he pick up the Flash's speed, he picked up the Flash's libido. <laughs> uh-huh. Luthor even makes a comment about it. Saying something he must have picked up. Yeah. Um, let's see what happens from there. Uh, he sends... He sends Amazo back out, right? Yeah, is this where Amazo starts questioning Luthor? Yeah, exactly. This is where he's like, you know, this... Luthor's like, because I'm telling you to go out, and Amazo's like, that's not good enough anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, so Amazo... But Amazo does end up going back out, though. Yes, because Luthor, again, does his manipulative magic. Oh, that's right, because he starts faking like he's like having some serious pains from his cancer. Mm-hmm. That's right. So uh, Amazo does go out... After he's out, you know, Luthor cackles or whatever, and uh, Mercy's like, aren't you afraid he's going to find out that, you know, you're being a bit of a dick? And Luthor's like, yeah, but Ivo built a bomb in the back of his neck, and I got the button. So Mercy's like, okay, whatever, this is going to (laughs) work. So at some point, we cut over to John, who, he's in his Martian form, and he's hanging out in the woods, and uh, he, he starts thinking to himself that, he knew humans weren't perfect, but he didn't realize how selfish we were. And, uh, he's, he's like getting ready to just, it seems like just leave the planet. And, but before he can, a search party, uh, enters the woods and they're calling out for a a young girl. And, uh, John hides because obviously they, if they see him, they're, they're going to flip out. So uh, we'll, we'll leave John for now. And uh, we go back to Amazo and the Justice League. Um, they tussle some, really. Is, I don't think there's much more that needs to be said about that, is there? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they, they do some more fighting. Batman tries the kryptonite shtick again. Uh, this time, Amazo pr- uh, pr- you know, proves that he does evolve, he does adapt, and he uses like Superman's heat vision or something to blast... The, uh, the the kryptonite and the dust. It's too no, bad. No, no. He he actually absorbs the properties of kryptonite, so it no longer harms him. And then he just grabs it out of Batman's hand and punches him. That, and then and then he, he throws it? the kryptonite. No, he throws the kryptonite like several hundred at miles. Superman. That's right. right. Okay, pardon me for getting that mixed up. No uh, but yeah, it, it turns into dust. It's all over Superman. Flash, you know, like does this little hand tornado thingy, gets it off of Superman. Um, let's see. Um, I guess we cut back to the woods at this point. Yeah, well, before, I mean, before the fighting even happens, uh, the I mean, the main fighting even happens, you know, Diana does find John, yeah. who's found the little girl. and Well, that's what I was just getting to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. so, you know, we, we cut back to the woods, and John, his psychic power is still on. He, can't, again, can't turn it off at this point. And he starts hearing the inner thoughts of these people, and they're all like, damn, I'm cold, but 
I, I can't imagine what that little girl's feeling. So I got to keep going. Uh, one woman starts praying to God, saying, you know, I, I, please let us find her. Someone else is like, I really wish it was me and not her. And John realizes that, yes, we can be really selfish, but, you know, when push comes to shove, not even when push comes to shove, but at our core, we really are good people. We really do care about one another. So uh, he starts flying over the woods. He, uh, you know, tries to focus his uh, psychic power on just finding this girl. Uh, he's able to do it. He's able to get control of his powers again. He finds her. He then uh, changes back into his super heroic form, which is really not much less creepy. Uh, he says, you know, trust me. She climbs into his arms. He then flies her over to the people. They're all thankful um, that, that he found her. He then phases to the ground and appears a couple yards away, but, you know, where they can't see him. And Diana, she shows up and she's all like, oh, don't think you're getting away that easily. She hugs him and uh, they go back back to the fight and uh what do you call it at this point uh luthor showed up right yeah yeah luthor showed up in his now repaired battle suit he and amazo are just taking on everybody they're destroying everyone um when john jones shows up i forget who it is but someone says you know don't get near him don't let him scan you diana, diana okay yeah because he's gonna get your all your powers and uh the martian is like hmm so he does actually allow Amazo to scan him. So uh, now that he's got the psychic power, uh, Luthor is like, yes, you have all the powers of the Justice League. Nothing can stop us now. And so John's like, yes, you have all of our powers. Use them wisely. So that clues Amazo, that clues Amazo in to use John's psychic ability, uh, scans Luthor, Scans Luthor's mind, I should say, and he figures out that Luthor is a lying douchebag dickhead. And uh, he's like, yeah, you're a lying douchebag dickhead. <laughs> but no, Luthor, what he really does is he pulls out the little detonator and he triggers it. Amazo's head just goes to bluey. Uh, everybody in the Justice League is like, oh no, Luthor actually stopped the bad guy. Gasp, because what that's a bad thing um, <laughs> but amazo's head grows back luthor's like oh shit <laughs> crapping his suit amazo just destroys it luthor's uh uh what do you just like I, I i don't know what to do like i'm sorry and uh something makes amazo like just look up at the stars and uh, he's like, you know what? I, I've learned everything I can from you people. There's nothing else for me here. And, and I think it's kind of implied that he absorbs the energy of a star, and that's why he changes colors, right? That's what I assume. Yeah. And he just flies off. Um, is there anything else, else after him flying off? I'm trying to think. It seems like there was something that happens yeah. after they start bantering, and and Sean's like, or Superman's like, yeah. Or, I'm sorry. John says uh, he's going where gods belong, and Luthor oh, says, please, he's just a robot. I don't yeah. care how much He's no god, and Superman's like, you know what? You're going to be praying a lot when he comes back. <laughs> yep, so. yep. And, he's like, and John's just like, perhaps we'll all be praying. And uh, I don't think there's anything that happens after that, but I don't want to, I don't know. Yeah, I, th I think that's about it there, yeah. And of course, I mean, and during the second episode, uh, at several points we get Mercy and Luthor 
And Luthor is really, really laying into Mercy, just berating her. And saying, oh, you know what? There is more. We cut back to LexCorp, and Luthor calls that's it. her. Yes, and is yes. all like, like he's obviously in jail now, and he's all like, I don't care what it costs. Get me the best doctors, the best scientists, whatever. And Mercy just hangs up on him. So yeah, yeah, yes. Didn't mean to interrupt, but no, that's that's yeah. I'm glad we remembered that. But yeah, I mean, and during the whole episode, Luthor is just saying, you know. Like, he has Mercy all figured out, and, like, you know, you, you're not doing this as a favor to me. You're doing this because you you love having the fun, you know, realizing the thrill again, and, yeah. you know. And by the way, we fucked a lot, and you loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, you know, that's basically what it was. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of notes for this second part, because it's it, it's all mostly fighting. Yeah, it, and it, it's very... A lot more shallow than the first one. Yeah, I mean, we get, I think, okay, we get a lot of good stuff with John, I felt, because as been as has been noted, anytime John goes up against someone, they two have psychic powers or some way to fight his psychic powers, and they go haywire, and he passes out, and oh no, John's out of the fight. But here, they actually use it to develop his character. Yes. And to remind us that he really is an outsider. Superman was raised by the Kents. He's, he might not be human in biology, but he's human in heart. And, and John doesn't have anything like that. He doesn't understand us. And this episode is all about him coming to understand us. So that is so very good. It's, I mean, it's, they started out in that first part, and it... It, they laid the seeds well there, and here they grow into just this bush of awesomeness. I kind of lost that there. <laughs> the bush of <laughs> awesomeness. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying there. I mean, they're finally no, I, doing something with John, with his psychic powers. Yes, it's being used against him, but it's not being done in a lame way that's meant to knock him out. It's meant to develop him. Following up on that, I'd like to think that when Amazo... Uh, scanned Jean and got his psychic powers and everything, that he also garnered Jean's newfound jadedness with humanity because, you know, they come back to this in, Oh, yeah. In they come back to you know, where Jean just disappears for almost an entire season and we don't know what ha He goes down to Earth and just becomes John Jones, you know, the human, and he just disappears for many, many episodes. We don't know what happens to him. I think, I'd like to think that began here with, uh, Jean's massive psychic sweep, and he's now, you know, jaded with humans in general. And then Amazo, who's been lied to, constantly, he's been nothing but lied to in this entire episode. He he's now pissed off, and then he gets Jean's jadedness with humanity, and that's why he's just like, "Fuck all of you! I have nothing more to do here," and he just flies off. Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying there. That that's a good point. Um, and I think if you couple that with his already growing ego and disdain of normal people. Like, remember when he scanned Batman? He's all like, you ain't nothing. I think when you look at the way he started out as almost as, as almost like, like a toddler that needs his hand held, and then gets to, you get to that Batman scene, he's clearly developed. And then, yeah, he gets John's, as you said, you know, everything John was feeling... You combine it all, and he's like, fuck it, I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, good point. My question here, though, about 
really this whole second part is I, I just wonder why the league never tries to reason with the Mezo, you know, until Jean finally does. I mean, they were they were going to try and reason with the Simon Stag chemical blob monster, but <laughs> not the android, which is clearly more intelligent. Yeah. Big, big time flub, if you ask me. It is, yeah. I, I didn't think about that, but that's a good point. Yeah, because never once do they try to stop him and say, let's talk, right? Or, or just be like, look, what do you want? Why are you fighting us? You know, yeah. what, what do we do to you? Right. <laughs> we don't even know who you are. <laughs> Where'd you come? Where did you come from? Yeah. There was a mommy android and a daddy android. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, child android uh, getting his head blown off, though, was pretty big holy shit moment, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's 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 an android, but still, I mean, dude just got his head blown off. Well, again, I mean, it's not just it's not just that it's an android. It's it's very clearly a learning computer. I mean, it's artificial intelligence. So, it is rather shocking cuz that thing, you know, it, it's not just your standard robot. It is sentient. It's alive. It's not the the robots who play basketball with the little jaded kid from Zeta Project. <laughs> No, it's not that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I really did dig, though, the scenes with uh, Luthor and Mercy. You know, I think to a degree Luthor is is right that Mercy did enjoy a lot of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, back, in, back in their heyday. But he thinks that she enjoyed it a lot more than she actually did. And again, that's Luthor's, that's always going to be Luthor's downfall is his unbelievable arrogance. Yeah. So, I mean, and Mercy even says, look, I know one thing. You're not good for me. And she leaves, and finally. And she, that's that was, it was like the turning point. Now her life will finally be able to be, you know, relatively normal. That she's, and after she, you know, she hangs up on Luthor at the very end of the episode. And then he has her killed. <laughs> Probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what I loved? <laughs> When he picked up Hawk Girl's power in the first part, I should have mentioned this earlier. When he goes to fight her, he let out one of her patented grunts. Yeah, it's like you know that Rashi. He actually did that. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean this episode or this story, it's it's not the best, but when you, when you think about some of it, it's actually kind of funny. Jean, <laughs> yeah. he calls himself Doctor Destiny now. He came into her dreams, did this to her. Why can't she wake up? It's a delusional state. I'm going back in to see if I can bring her out of it. He wants us to... Us? Why? I never even heard of it before today. All right, lastly of today is Only a Dream. In episode one, we open up with this guy named John D. who kind of just looks like a janitor. and is He's shown murdering the entire Justice League. Uh, including Superman, whom he grabs in his bare hand and just cracks in a clenched fist. And uh, he does all this with the help of this ridiculous-looking apocalypse-like tank, and all these villains are gathering around him, and they're congratulating him for his feet, even Lex Luthor. And finally, the charade is over, and the dude wakes up from his dream. And the guard who wakes him up says it's his turn in the tank, so we know that this guy is a prisoner. And D walks into a room, and the device from his dream is sitting in the room. And he's much says, smaller, yeah, though. Much smaller. Yeah. Yes. 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 It's uh, it it's like, I don't know, maybe five, six feet tall at yeah. most. 
And uh, after the credits, uh, Dee is seen waking up from being in the machine, and the scientists, uh, the scientist asks him uh, to identify what's on four flashcards that he's holding. And uh, he correctly identifies all, all four of them and says uh, it's true that this machine can give people extrasensory perception. But it's only temporary, and the guard comes in and says that Dee's parole decision is in, and he says nothing, but he kind of bows his head, which means that Dee did not get paroled. And next scene, Dee is talking to his wife, who has had it with his constant setbacks, and she leaves him right then and there. Next scene, Dee is seen cleaning the toilets, and a prison breakout begins, and during the chaos, Dee disappears into the room uh, with the ESP machine, and he knocks out the scientist and hooks him into the machine and just cranks it up full blast and he starts screaming and we go to the watchtower and the league is watching the breakout on uh, or news of the breakout on the screen and uh, they have a report of the superpowered inmates who have escaped which include Grundy, Copperhead and some Superman the animated series villains Luminous and Volcana and Gotham Knights superstar Firefly <laughs> yes <laughs> What's it? Anyway. What, what can he burn through, James? <laughs> you burn through ice, Mike. <laughs> so, D has been. They find. I'm trying to think of what happens here because then we see D seemingly catatonic, and they the guards take him out of out of the machine, and they they take him to the infirmary, and later, Green Lantern and Batman take down Firefly and Volcana and. Uh, they get word that uh, D has escaped, which you know, the warden is standing nearby, and he says that that can't be. He was catatonic, and uh, tells the league uh, when they get there about the ESP machine. And Lantern's like, "Uh, why do you have this in a prison?" <laughs> and he's like, and the warden's like, "Well, where are you going to get, you know, volunteers to?" And he's interrupted, and we see that every single person, inmates and doctors alike, in the infirmary have been rendered unintelligible vegetables. And Dee's... The next scene, we see Dee's ex-wife and her new boyfriend or husband or whatever uh, up in a cabin in the mountains, and Dee is up on a hill watching. And we go back to the prison, and uh, Batman says uh, he's going to stay behind here to investigate. And Lantern's like, why? He's just a nobody. And And he says... Batman says, look, I don't know that he didn't do this, so I've got to you know, figure this out. And Batman says, look, he tells Lantern about the Odyssey where Odysseus poked out the Cyclops' eye and told him his name was Nobody, so he couldn't identify him later. And That's not really how it happened, but I digress. Um, yeah, what was the point of that story? I didn't understand why he just told that story. What, what was well, he getting at there? My best guess is to say it, that, you know, somebody, a Nobody can actually do something very... Oh very like uh meaningful or powerful or something i don't know okay but it was it was a little off and he didn't tell the story correctly anyway so anyway we go back to the cabin and d confronts uh his ex-wife now who uh tries to wake up her new boyfriend but he's sound asleep and uh d creates a costume out of thin air and dubs himself dr destiny and seemingly sheds his facial skin completely off showing only a skull and he proceeds to psychically attack her, and the woman named Penny uh, is seen just screaming her lungs out in her sleep and unable to wake up as her boyfriend tries to wake her up. And Dee is 
watching outside, having never actually been inside the cabin. He was just doing all this from outside. And uh, meanwhile, the other prisoners are trying to escape, and Luminous traps Hawk Girl inside this light illusion box that closes in on her, and she starts to panic, uh, but Superman rescues her, and Shire is very noticeably shaken by this, uh, so we can assume that she's uh, claustrophobic. And uh, next we see Grundy and Copperhead, and they're taking on uh, Jean, and Flash is contending with Luminous, and Superman and Shire arrive, and they save Flash from getting beaten up by, like, three dozen Luminous clones, and Grundy bursts through a wall and he, uh, after they take down Luminous, and he and Superman get into it, and Copperhead takes the opportunity to ensnare Hawk Girl, and he demands that she fly him out of there, and she flies hundreds of feet into the air but refuses to go anywhere because Copperhead's an idiot and doesn't realize that uh, if anything happened to her, he'd be dead. And so the bad guys finally get taken down, and they're put back in their cells, and the league calls it a night. But elsewhere, we see Penny in a hospital still freaking out in her sleep, and Batman and Jean uh, arrive in secret in the hospital, and Jean tries to psychically wake her up. Uh, and in the meantime, the rest of the leaguers fall asleep in their various places, like John Stewart's in his, you know, his apartment, and Shire and Flasher in the uh, watchtower, and, and Clark is in his, his apartment. Jean explains to Batman uh, before the episode ends that D calls himself Dr. Destiny now, and he wants the leak dead. And Batman can't fathom why, since he had just only heard of this guy today. And the episode ends with you know, Destiny laughing somewhere, presumably at the thought of entering the minds of all the sleeping Justice Leaguers. Yep. What are you thinking? Okay, I think the cliffhanger is very quiet, but very effective. Yeah. I mean, it's not a big... Tune in next time, same bat time, same bat channel, because Batman's hanging over a giant blender, you know? There, there, there's none of that. It's just everybody's going to sleep. But that's when things are going to pick up, so to speak. Yeah. And the music really adds to it, because it's very, very quiet yeah. music. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, now, for the episode itself, I don't dislike this one. But I don't like it either. It's not, for me at least, it's not bad. It's not good. I'm not saying it's middle of the road. It's better than average. But it just didn't impress me. And I really think this is the first time I've seen this one. I I knew how this one ended. Because I saw a clip on YouTube some months ago about like Batman's like greatest Justice League moments or something. So when I realized this was the Doctor Destiny, when I was like, "Oh, okay, I know how this is going to play out down the line," but I, I don't think I'd ever seen this one before. So it was it was really fresh to me. So I was really really paying attention. It's not like one of those ones where we've seen them ten times and you know we could take notes without even watching it. You know, I really was watching this one intently, trying to take notes, trying to just I don't, I don't even know just trying to give it my all, and I was just sort of like, eh, it's okay. But, yeah, it just really didn't do it for me. What about you? That's, you know, one of my few notes here is this episode was just okay. Yeah. Uh, this, is a, this is another one of those episodes where I remember liking it a lot more back in the day when I first saw it. Okay. I think this one would have been more at home in season one than season two. Considering how awesome I think the first two episodes of this season have been, mm -hmm. uh, 
I, it just feels too low key to follow Twilight and Tabula Rasa because Twilight, we spoke of how epic that one was. And even though we're, we were down a little bit more on Tabula Rasa, it was still epic because he had the entire Justice League being owned right and left. Yeah. I could also, on the flip side, see where some people would argue that maybe we needed an episode like this after those two. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I'm on, I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I, it's it's just slightly above average. Another thing I will give this episode though was when Dee's face melts into Doctor Destiny's face, that Skeletor face. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> Is that to date, or maybe even in total, the creepiest thing we've seen? Might be. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm I, we've asked this before on on certain episodes like Gotham Knights if this is the creepiest thing we've ever seen but yeah. I'd have to go I'd have to go back to Gotham Knights cuz I know we saw something yeah. there. That's that's there was something in the back of my head too saying there's a Batman thing maybe with Clayface that was really creepy. But this I got to put it at the top right now cuz I can't think of anything else. <laughs> so <laughs> so on a list of 1 this is at the top. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. I'm sure our, our loyal listeners will be happy to remind us of things we've said in the past. Oh, yeah, please do. I mean, because both James and I were thinking there's, there was something else with Batman. but So we're right there. You know, if, if any of you can, can write in and, and let us know what uh, you think we might be sort of kind of maybe remembering, please do. And Batman Beyond, too. I, I, hmm. Constantly, let's... Listeners, concentrate on Gotham Knights and Batman Beyond. I know that's where these things are. I just can't put my finger on them. Yeah, it was something Batman-related. Yeah. What else? John Stewart has a USMC tattoo. Yeah. I. It makes sense. It makes sense. But uh, at the same time, I was surprised to see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you? What notes do you have? Honestly, I mean, I don't have many notes for this entire thing as a whole let alone just opening part here yeah because really i mean this is setting up everything that would happen in the next part that's where the meat of the story really is i think in part two. Oh, you know what i will say that i thought the scene of the new boyfriend trying to wake penny or whatever her name was up while she's screaming and then we get more of her screaming in the next part. That's kind of chilling. Yeah, and we know what happens to her. Right? Yeah, we won't. I mean, I'll you know you'll you'll get into that in a few minutes here. But uh, that was some pretty good screaming. I thought it really yes. made my blood run cold. Like, god damn, she she's being tortured by whatever she's seeing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Though the question is. Why would D kill her and not the guy that's banging her? You know, well, I just spoiled that he killed her. Whoops. You know, but oh, well. why would he go into the head of the new boyfriend and take him out? You know, why would he? I mean, yeah, she's the one that betrayed him, but why not get the guy too? No idea. Yeah. Well, should I get to part two then? Yeah. Hey, you know what I just thought of something? Is Wonder Woman in this one? No. Well, she's, you know, she's in that opening dream sequence where he's murdering right. just but, but she doesn't have, he doesn't appear in the rest of the episode. Right. Well, no, the reason I asked is because that makes sense. Because where is she going to go to sleep? They haven't established that she has a secret identity. 
sure, Shaira, she doesn't have one, but she's on guard duty. So that was the perfect way to get her to fall asleep. You know, yeah. but Wonder Woman, what are you going to do with her? So this is the first time when a character is absent where I can go, okay, I understand why they did that. All right. Well, jumping into episode two here, this one opens up in a pretty goofy way with uh, Flash <laughs> watching cartoons with some kids and he's watching himself fighting Solomon Grundy <laughs> in like very Looney Tunes-esque fashion. But things start to get really weird when one of the kids pulls a Them Crooked Vultures and grows a set of new fangs and bites Flash on the leg. And all these kids then do the same thing and start attacking Flash. And he runs faster than presumably he's ever run before and he gets away and it's at this point that Dr. Destiny appears and tells Flash that he went too fast and he will never be able to slow down again. And he is stuck in a dream forever where he's moving faster than everyone else around him and it makes everyone else appear completely motionless. And the rest of the league starts experiencing similar nightmares. Uh, we go to uh, Superman and Clark. It's Clark and Lois at uh, dinner. And Clark's he can't control his powers and he's looking at the menu and he his heat vision starts incinerating the menu and he starts, he hides his eyes and Lois is like, you're hiding something. In fact, you're always hiding something and I want to see it, what it is. And he, she takes Clark's hand and opens his eyes and he murders Lois Lane, like just incinerates her. She had it coming. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're terrible. That goes out to our clip monkey and his (laughs) co-hosts. Ladies, I don't really mean that. No misogyny here. No, no, not at all. <laughs> anyway, uh, so next we see Green Lantern. Uh, he's trapped in in his neighborhood, and everyone around him is afraid of him, and he can't understand what all they're saying because they're all speaking in nonsense. It's very, you know, Babylesque, and uh, his power rings start. The energy from his power ring starts to just eat him alive from the inside out. Back in reality, Batman and John meet up. And they have, like, the sleeping Justice Leaguer's bodies in tow. Batman has Clark's body, and he's like, look, I gave him some some stimulants, but this guy could have a building fall on him and not feel it, so it's not going to do any good. And Batman says, look, I'm going to find this guy. He's got to be somewhere where he feels safe. And Jean, in the meantime, is going to take the Justice Leaguer's up to the watchtower and put them in the sick bay and monitor their what what's going on with them and Dr. Destiny then finally appears to Hawk Girl and puts her in her worst nightmare, being buried alive. So more claustrophobia. Yeah, exactly. Jean has the League in the sick bay, and then there's a news report that Penny, in fact, did die. And Jean te- relays this to Batman, and Batman says, well, look, do what you gotta do. So Jean is going to go into the minds of each of the Justice Leaguers and try to rescue them from themselves. Superman is up first as he he can't control his powers and he's ballooned to like this mammoth size and he, the Daily Planet has utterly destroyed and then he accidentally kills Jimmy Olsen oh. when he hugs it. Yeah. It was pretty gruesome, it actually. Was, yeah, yeah. And, Ooh, it, and it, I, I have to wonder. I, I know, I know, we're interjecting here as if we were doing like a, a three-parter, you know. But <laughs> I have to wonder if that's why they drew Superman in almost like that Hulk-like body. So this way, younger viewers understood that really wasn't Superman. Yeah. That really killed Jimmy. Because if you had normal Superman do that, that's that's going to confuse them, I think. But because mm-hmm. he looks all almost like oafish, almost apish, 
they'll get it. That's got to be what they did. So Jean arrives in the dream and follows Superman to Smallville, and he does save him. He he convinces him to, look, you can control your power. I'll take this from you. And he saves Superman. And uh, Batman, meanwhile, is driving along a mountain road, which is just where someone who hasn't slept in three days should be driving. Because uh, Batman's in the – I should have mentioned in the first episode, he – Batman is standing there with the warden and Green Lantern, and he yawns, and the warden's like, oh, this must be pretty routine stuff for you. And he's like, oh, sorry, I haven't slept in three days. <laughs> so that's coming back into play here. So Batman is tired as all hell, and he actually almost gets runs uh, gets run off the road by a truck because he's nodding off at the wheel. And he, he finds out from the Bat computer that D used to be a low-level thug for LexCorp, and the computer for, uh, explains that there's a warehouse that uh, he used to run uh, his you know, run his shipments out of or whatever. And so Batman goes to that warehouse thinking that's where he could be hiding. And Jean, in the meantime, and Superman go to save Green Lantern from his nightmare, and they do. And Batman is seen again driving, and he nods off a couple more times. So he goes into a Starbucks, and he gets to triple Frappuccino. <laughs> I shit you not. <laughs> he just walks in front of everybody. Everybody's just looking. I'm like, uh, uh, it's Batman. <laughs> and uh, so Green Lantern, Superman, and Jean enter Flash's dream now, but they're almost immediately frozen in the warped reality. And Flash has to figure out what to do on his own. And meanwhile, Hot Girl's vitals are plummeting because she is just, she's losing her mind. She's panicking and, and screaming, and her heart can't take much more of it. Batman is next seen doing his best impersonation of me and nodding off at the wheel. So he, he punches the windshield out of the Batmobile. <laughs> the bulletproof glass he punches. Uh, that, yeah. To be fair, it was already cracked from when he drove into all those things before. Okay, I didn't realize that. Pardon me, then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he drove through several several things because he kept nodding off at the wheel. Okay. And it was already cracked. Um, so he punches the windshield out. He cranks the radio up, which is... Uh, I assume playing some kind of fast food commercial to the tune of Frere Jacques. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this gives him an idea. And uh, so Flash, in the meantime, figures out that all he needs to do is slow his heartbeat down. And when he does, everything goes back to normal. So they fight Destiny inside Flash's dream. And Batman arrives at the warehouse. And Dee's voice can be heard louder than ever since he's clearly there. And Destiny says that he can... He can enter Batman's brain, even if he's wide awake now because he's so close to him. But Batman says, you know, my brain's not a nice place to be. And we then hear Frere Jaca humming in Batman's brain, which keeps D out. <laughs> uh, Jean, again, keeps he keeps up his fight with Dr. Destiny in Flash's dream, and they defeat him again. And they then hear Hawkgirl screaming for help, but they can't reach her because Jean says there's a barrier around her mind. And uh, Batman fights his way through an M.C. Escher painting uh, with the tune still humming and he finds D and they briefly fight with D trying to inject a sedative into Batman but he turns the tables knocks him into a stack of crates and he accidentally injects himself with the sedative and D is rendered comatose. Hawk Girl wakes up in the watchtower with everyone around her uh, and she's wondering if it's a dream and Flash says oh I could pinch you <laughs> and she's like eh, it's real so and I say everyone except Batman, who's seen across the room snoring in a chair. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And the last thing we see in the episode is uh, D looking quite the worse for wear in a hospital bed and uh, Frere Jacques humming on loop in his head. Yeah, that's it. Uh, what are you thinking here? If, if I'm being honest, I don't like how Batman defeated Dr. Destiny or whatever the hell his name was. Really? You mean with the humming? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's kind of a callback to, what was it, As- an Asriel comic, I think, where he, where in his in his training in his childhood, he was taught to recite children's nursery rhymes to keep from losing his mind if the if the if that ever that threat ever presented itself yeah i mean but it, it there, okay here's why it doesn't work for me because like everybody else we get to see their dreams their nightmares more accurately and when he goes to attack batman it's like they cheaped out on us and they didn't show us the, the scary inside of Bruce Wayne's head. Instead, he hums Ferrejaka. And that's why it doesn't work for me. I wanted Dr. Destiny, D, whatever, to go into Bruce's head and to come out just pissing himself. You're right. That would have been a much better way to go about this. I mean, even if we didn't see what Batman's deepest, darkest nightmares oh, were... That would have been... That would have been the way to do it. Right. He goes in, and now we're left wondering, wait, what did he see? Sort of like, what did he say to Deadshot? The thing that Superman heard, and he's like, you don't want to know, to to Wonder Uh Woman. You know, just Uh something like that. And we have a general idea what it could be, thanks to the Scarecrow episodes of BTAS. When he's hanging off the off the zeppelin and he thinks he sees his dad and it becomes a skeleton, that maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's something else. Maybe because he's Batman, he's come up with something completely beyond insane, just to scare this D guy. So to to to, to not use Batman's dreams and to fall back on Farajaka, I just I I don't understand that, and it doesn't work for me. And I think it. At least, again, for me, it hurts the episode. I could see other people disagreeing, and that's fine. But, mm, no, it just, no, doesn't do it for me. Something that just came to mind. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, they hadn't done this yet, because this happens in, J- in the second, just the second episode of JLU. But when Mongol returns, and at, at the end of that episode, it's the episode for the man who has everything, and Mongol has that black flower plant thing, like attached to him at the very end of the episode he it's kind of like what you're saying here like we we're like wonder woman's like oh, i wonder what he's dreaming about now and batman's like whatever it is it's too good for him and uh all we we see mongol and he's just like in this comatose state but he's smiling and all we hear is just like these screams of agony and just it's kind of along those lines but I, I guess, I don't know, like I said, they, they hadn't done that yet, so it's not not using it as an excuse here at right. all. Right. But if they did that with Batman here and then did it with Mongol there, it would be like they're doing the same thing over again. I see what you're, I, I see what you're saying, but as you said, the order's backwards, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I do think it's kind of funny that Batman hums Frere Jaca since the words, they mean the, the I guess the quote-unquote lyrics of Frere Jaca mm. translate to, are you sleeping, are you sleeping, brother John, brother John, mm. since... John ends up falling asleep into a comatose state at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wonder if that was on purpose. (laughs) You know, if it just works out that way. Hmm, Interesting. (laughs) You know what would have been better, but there's no way they could have done it? What? (laughs) It's what Kellen just recently referenced on uh, Animazing Podcast 45, I think it was. 
I don't know if you listened to that one yet. Um, that old, uh, uh, what was it, Kids WB promo with Kevin Conroy singing uh, the, the, the Tim Drake Robin to sleep with the Jigglypuff song. Like the Jigglypuff. <laughs> if they could have done that, but there's no way they could have. I mean, at this point, it's on a completely oh. different network, you know? <laughs> but yeah. that would have been wild if you busted out to the oh, Jigglypuff yeah. song. <laughs> We have a Jigglypuff reference on WFP. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, I mean, they're all sleeping. Snorlax, there you go. Hey, we got another one. <laughs> okay. Weird. Jigglypuff, the most annoying Pokemon of all time, which is saying a hell of a lot. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I get I get what you're saying overall about this. Again, I think this, this episode, the second episode, is just slightly above average, too. I'm not as down on it as you are, but... yeah. Uh, my grade will, ref- will reflect that. Another thing I'll give this episode or this story is poor Penny dies. You know, that's that's pretty damn harsh, you know, because she's a character that she's not just like some random person we see on screen for five seconds and then they get Joker toxin in their face. You know, yeah. I mean, we, we see her breaking up with D. We see her in her thoughts. We see her in bed. And we're with her several times as she's screaming. We go to the hospital with her. You know, we invest a lot of time with her, or in her, and then she's gone. I mean, you know, she's not a deep character or anything like that, but we still got to know her. And that's, uh, yeah, yeah. Another thing I'll give this one is when Batman is fighting D and he punches him, his face reverts back to normal, oh, and yeah. then it reverts back to Doctor Destiny. Mm-hmm. Then he punches him again; it reverts to normal. Yeah. So I mean, clearly D is getting hurt by that, but he's he's regaining his his costume or his you know his skull form. Yeah. It's, it is really good animation. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. This is going to come back in Starcross, but the, in Starcross they're going to explain why Jean couldn't enter Hot Girl's mind. Oh, do they? Well, remember, John has to get the information from that one hawk soldier in Starcrossed, and uh, is like, Flash is like, I thought you couldn't enter their minds, and and John's just like, I'm going to have to try harder. Oh, that's right, because there's that big temple thing he has to go through, right? Yeah, they've get. I mean, basically, the Thanagarians all have like barriers around their yeah. minds. That would explain then why John wasn't picking up on the fact that Shaira was lying to him. Mm-hmm. In uh, whatever episode it was before. Yeah, Twilight. Yeah, okay. Because I meant to ask, why couldn't he read her mind? Because he, he tries not to read his teammates' minds, but things slip through, you know? And yeah. uh, that would explain it. Okay, I forgot about that. Cool. Oh, you know what? There is one more thing I want to say about this one. It's the Flash's joke in the beginning when he's yes, asking the kids yes. if they're hungry. He opens the fridge and there's a giant frog in there. It licks it. And they're like, "Is there? Where's the food?" He's like, "Are you French?" No, no food. <laughs> I like that was funny. Um, oh yeah, and and then in the first episode when uh, they're they're gonna go stop the prison breakout, and Jean is just standing there, and Flash is just kind of saying, what, "What do you think he's working on?" Because he's like not yeah. responding to them, and <laughs> and Shaggy's like, "Whatever it is, it's probably important, so leave him alone." And Batman yells at them, leave, "Forget him, get yeah. over here!" And, and then finally they're like. As they're leaving, Flash is like, what about him? And Sean's like, I'm ready. <laughs> and Flash is like, well, what were you working on? Nothing. I was taking a nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was good. <laughs> Which explains why Sean wasn't tired at all. Yeah. Quite the- true. Quite true. Yeah. Uh, should we score these? 
Yes, let's do that. Okay, Twilight. It has a few flaws here and there, but God damn it, I gotta give it a 10 out of 10. It's 10, just, wow. It's just so, so fucking awesome. One of my favorite of all Justice League episodes. Okay, I'm gonna give that one an 8. I have a feeling I might be rescoring that down the line, but an 8 for now. I said I would not pronounce this title again in this episode, so the next episode... Uh, Tabula Rasa. Tabula Rasa. Okay, there we go. This is another personal favorite. It's probably going to get an extra point for me, so I'm giving it a 7. I'm actually going to give it a 7, too. And only a dream. A slight drop down, but not terrible or anything. I give it a 6. Yeah, you know, I think that's what I might give this one, too. Um... As we spoke it out, I realized I had a little more fun with it than I thought, which sounds weird because it's kind of a dark episode. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'll give it a six. Superman! Go! I'm finishing this! Kent, don't be a fool. form of emails can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. And remember, our voicemail line is 731-WFP-WFP-0. 731-937-9370. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss three more Justice League stories. Those being Made of Honor, Hearts and Minds, and A Better World. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>